I'm Corey Novotny. I'm Brian Wells. And you're listening to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. So we got the old band back together. It's the first time in a, a little while now. <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, we, we've had a few of these where, um, I mean, just recently Benjamin filled in for Brian. We had one time where we had a bunch of us together, but it's not very often. It's just the three of us, like the old he's done it throwback days. So Benjamin Carlson, welcome back. Very excited to have you on for this podcast in particular. Thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure to join my favorite sports podcast. It's especially nice to join you guys right before an exciting weekend of playoff football with super wild card weekend coming up and all these coaching retirements and vacancies there's so much to talk about yeah oh i i agree and um i know brian and i normally like to record on tuesdays when we're looking back on the previous week i feel like a lot of times we've done these playoff episodes later in the week anyway definitely a good idea with a lot of the the different things uh news that broke today on wednesday as right before we started recording even but uh you know the nfl playoffs we definitely are gonna start with that look ahead to like you said super Bowl, super wild card weekend is that still the phrase that they use i know that that was like a big deal when they first <laughs> expanded to seven teams i just i think that they still that's what i've heard i've heard people say that and it is super you know the old one was just it is regular. Yeah. Wild card weekend. Right. Wild. Yeah, three really, days. it doesn't bring enough emphasis. Wild is good. Super wild. Uh-huh. Whoa. Now we're talking. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's kind of crazy. But you know, in college basketball, they got the sweet sixteen <laughs> and then the elite eight. But in the beginning right. rounds, it's just round of sixty-four, round of thirty-two. Yeah. I. I don't know. I just think, even though I, I, I love this time of the year for football, uh, uh, I still just call it normal. The wild card round not not the super wild card That's, round yeah no you're you're right i think it's fair just calling it wild card weekend uh especially at this point we've gotten used to having seven teams in each conference instead of just six um and benjamin of course big fan of the san francisco 49ers uh you don't have to worry about this weekend you don't have your team going you get a bye week as a number one seed in the nfc so uh the last time you came on here it was right after the niners blew out the eagles went into the link came away asserted themselves as the class of the nfc um since then, you know, Niners obviously still holding on to that number one seed. Did suffer uh, a pretty brutal loss at home to the Baltimore Ravens on Christmas Day. How are you feeling about the Niners heading into the postseason? The goal up to this point has been the number one seed, and that's what we got. And I'm feeling pretty confident. Unfortunate loss to the Ravens. And if I'm being completely honest, I would love to see an early playoff exit from Baltimore. Would love to see them do what they seem to always do with Lamar Jackson and exit the playoffs early. I don't know if we're going to get that lucky, uh, but the Niners are healthy. The Niners in look like they're doing well in almost all facets. Little problems with kicking in Week 18. Didn't love that, but you can't be any – I mean, you, you can't expect any better at this point in the season. We're healthy. We're confident. We're the number one seed. I love what I'm seeing from the Niners. I have a question now that you mentioned it. So you'd rather not see the Ravens and want them to get revenge on not just Christmas Day, but even Super Bowl 47? Like you'd rather, you just want them out and 
you just want the easier I path. think just looking at the rest of the playoff field, that's the only team that I think the Niners really on paper should fear. Again, the on paper doesn't mean that much. It's why we play the games, right? I'm not saying the Niners are invincible against anybody else, but I think that the ni- the number one seeds have really set themselves apart this year in a way that you don't always see. And I think if the Ravens were to fall in some fluky upset, then it would the Niners are looking very, very strongly the favorites over the rest of the field. Yeah, I agree. I think that this is a rare year where you do have two teams, one in each conference, the number one seeds, who do feel like they have a larger edge. Like there is a gap. It's not just one team happens to get a bye week, uh, but you know you have two, three, four teams that are all on similar uh, levels, which we've seen in recent years. I know last year we did have both one seeds in the Super Bowl, but didn't necessarily feel like the gap was as large as it is perceived to be right now uh, you know whether you're looking at just the, the sports books or you know actually watching the games and it it's not uncommon for people to believe that the top two seeds are the two best teams in the league and the most likely to go to the Super Bowl I agree that last year it it wasn't as big of a mar- wide of a, of a margin as it was compared to this year with the Ravens and Niners but you still kind of had a pretty good idea where it's like it's either going to be Philly or San Francisco coming out of the NFC last year, and then and then the AFC was like, all right, it's going to be the Chiefs, and then the winner of the Bengals uh, Bills game. I don't know. You could talk yourself into some teams, but at the end of the day, it still ended up be just being the the two one seeds. Right. Yeah, of course. And I I think that, you know, I definitely was feeling better about some of those other teams in the end, you know, one seed home field advantage. It means a lot. And uh, I guess that, you know, this is a long transition into the start of our NFL playoffs preview segment. So um, pretty similar questions that we've asked in the past. So, you know, Benjamin, we did have you on the first time we did something similar to this in 2021. Um you know, we've had a, a few different guests come on. It would have been fun to have Kenny come on and make fun of the Jaguars missing the playoffs and letting the Steelers <laughs> get in. But I do think it makes sense, you know, to have uh, someone whose team is in here, especially one like we keep saying is like one of the Super Bowl favorites. So uh, the first question that we're going to ask here is who are the biggest threats? You know, what are the biggest things that could stop, uh, you know, the Niners or the Ravens from advancing all the way to the Super Bowl? And, uh, I think let's start with the Niners. Let's start with the NFC. And uh, forgive me, but I kind of want Brian and I to go first and then have you come in and either say, yes, you guys are correct. I also think that, you know, this team or this whatever is the biggest threat or just, you know, tell us why we're wrong and who you're, you know, what you're really scared of. I would love to do it that way. Let's do it. All right, cool. So, Brian, how about you get started here? I'm not gonna lie. I kind of don't like it that way. I was kind of hoping oh, like Ben okay. would start, but no, but no. I w- I will. I will. I'll do it. Uh, I mean, I can go yeah, first looking, if you want. No, but... no. I'll do okay. it. Why not? You're okay. the host. <laughs> uh, you know, looking at the NFC playoff picture after San Francisco, I can question a lot of teams. There are a lot of good teams, of course, but there are a lot of teams that I feel like are flawed. Where okay, Dallas is probably the clear, not the clear, but the the, the biggest contender after San Francisco in the NFC, but I've certainly have been wrong on them before in the past where I, where I, I believe that they were Super Bowl contenders in the past and they just happened to lose in, in, in crazy fashions like in the wildcard, particularly against the Niners. Just a couple of years ago, we saw that happen and play out. And I feel like the Cowboys, uh, 
I don't know. They're kind of rolling right now. They took over the division. I mean, some of that has to do with them. Some of that has to do with the refs blowing it in that game versus the Lions. And some of that has to do with the fact that the Eagles suck ass right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, and their their offense is definitely rolling right now. And so the Cowboys are definitely a team you got to look out for. And then the Lions Look, it's it's great that they're they're finally in the playoffs. They finally won the division. It's it's I'm definitely going to be rooting for them for sure, no doubt about it. Uh Dan Campbell, he's he's definitely done a great job ever since he's took taken over the the head coaching job, but at the same time like I could see them choking too where the they get to face Matthew Stafford, right. <laughs> an old friend that they once had for all these years, and then, and then he just comes in the Detroit and he he takes over. I, I don't know, like I I could see them being upset in the first round. Uh, I don't know. There are a lot of good teams, but um, heck, Philly, if they were ever to f- turn it around, uh, the way they played in the beginning of the year, maybe they can make a run. But I have serious doubts about that right now. If I had to pick one team gun to my head, I would pick the Cowboys. But, I mean, would it surprise anyone if Green Bay went into Dallas and beat Dallas again in the playoffs, even without Aaron Rodgers? And it's with Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love has played really really well in the second half of the season. And so that wouldn't surprise me. I know I'm all over the place, Corey. But <laughs> no, no, I, I, had to I pick, totally get it. Yeah. Like, I don't feel... This is a long way of me saying that I don't feel confident in any of them except San Francisco in the NFC. I yes. mean, and so that's a very wishy-washy answer. Uh, Corey, I know, I know you had this answer one year, a couple years ago when the Packers were one seed. Like, you know who the biggest threat is themselves. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, I love going NFC with that one answer. seed. Yep. Yeah. I kind of want to go with that answer, Corey. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I, if, I, I think if it's you're a... forcing me to pick a team, uh, I would pick Dallas. But what's my real answer? Yeah, San Francisco themselves. Right. Even though they're this amazing team, we've seen it year in and year out where they're one of the best teams in the league, but they don't they fall short, whether if it's in the NFC Championship game or in the Super Bowl. And even though Kyle Shanahan is one of the best offensive minds in the entire league, def- arguably the best coach in the league, at the same time, you can question some of the late game management in really key games with Atlanta or... Or in the Super Bowl versus the Chiefs, I don't know. I so that's my real answer is themselves is the is the biggest threat. But if you're forcing me to pick a team, I'll go with Dallas. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying all year that injuries are the biggest threat to the Niners. That if they're fully healthy, they're the best team in the NFC, and there's not really a number two team that I'm scared of. Or I would be scared of. Um, I mean, that being said, I guess to kind of go with a, a similar thought process and just kind of back up one of these teams. So. I try to look at, you know, what what happened in San Francisco's four losses where Brock Purdy was a starter. So ignoring the week 18 game when Sam Darnold was starting quarterback, uh, Brock Purdy on the season threw 11 interceptions. Nine of those interceptions came in those four games. Uh, Of course, he threw three interceptions against um, Baltimore. And then I think he also threw three against Cincinnati. It was was four Um, against Baltimore. Four against Baltimore. Okay, yeah. So that, that was a brutal showing. So basically... I think that the key to beating the Niners is to just make Brock Purdy look like a guy who is not an MVP candidate and more like the kind of guy you not even saying as a seventh round pick because he still looked good in a lot of these games. Like he threw two bad picks against Minnesota, but he still threw three hundred something yards in the loss. So to me, I'm looking at a team that 
turns the ball over, you know, forces takeaways, particularly through interceptions. So if you look at the list of teams in the NFC who are the interception leaders, number one is the San Francisco 49ers with 22, tied with the Chicago Bears with 22. Bears are not in the playoffs. The Saints are up there. The New York Giants are up there. They didn't make the playoffs. So anyway, the next team in line is the Dallas Cowboys. Deron Bland had nine interceptions. I mean, and really when it comes down to it, they're a great pass defense. You know, they're like top five in the league. Uh, if you look at DVOA marks and want to just not say it's, oh, because they just played terrible teams and beat up on them. Like they're, they're still one of the best defenses. And it feels dumb to say because we saw the Niners beat the Cowboys 42 to 10 earlier this year. But we also saw technically early, well, what, early last year, now that it turned over, January in the playoffs, <laughs> it was 19 to 12 game. So. I think that's probably more of what we would expect to see. Dak Prescott has been so much better this year. So I agree with Brian. Dallas is probably the biggest threat. But it's also like how many times have we seen these teams face each other? We've seen this result. Like, is it really going to change things? So it feels like, you know, you're just throwing out a team just for the sake of it. Yeah, I I agree, Corey, that, I mean, they have the best defense of the, they take out San Francisco, I mean, of the, uh, other teams, I, they probably have the best defense. Deron, uh, who is who is the Deron Bland? Yeah, Deron Bland. Yeah, right. Set the yeah. Pick he had record. more. Tu- there was one point where he had more touchdowns than the Patriots receive receiver room. Wow. <laughs> it was absurd <laughs> how many pick sixes that uh, guy had. Uh, but yeah, Detroit's defense, well, particularly their secondary, has gotten shredded in a lot of these games. And then the Eagles' defense. I mean, we don't even need to go there. And then you don't really take the Bucks seriously that much. So. Yeah, I feel like Dallas is the most balanced team uh, to worry about in the NFC for for the Niners. But at the same time, anytime these those two teams that play each other, and the Niners kind of own that ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I feel like Dallas. I've never felt like Dallas was at like, oh, they're this is their game to win. I mean, I guess that wild card game <laughs> when it was at Dallas. But if if they were to play each other, it'd be at San Francisco, and I could see. Yeah, not not forty two to ten, but maybe kind of like that nineteen to twelve game where okay, it was close, but I don't. But it felt like the Niners were still going to win that game. But like you said, Corey Dak Prescott has played a lot better this year, and he's def- definitely a lot less turnovers uh, compared to last year. So I guess you could take Dallas a little bit more seriously, but I've I'm certainly skeptical for believing in them in past years and and you know falling short yeah no and i think that's fair and also if dallas faces san francisco it'll be in an nfc championship game that they haven't been to in what 25 years now so like that would be a successful win for cowboys and their fans um, and i'm sure that they'll still find a way to embarrass themselves in that game and who knows what uh that means for mike mccarthy after some of the the reports that have gone out there but um yeah i mean to me i think that when it comes down to it it's the best way of beating the niners is just hope that all of the other all the top players are injured and <laughs> uh, or brock Brock Purdy just has like an off day. So uh, let's now turn it over to our resident Niners fan. So <laughs> what, what do you believe? Who, what is the biggest threat to the Niners going to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think on paper, you guys are right. The Cowboys look like the best team. But, and and again, when you get to this point, you know, you're looking at what, who your competition is and maybe even hedging against talking too much trash because not only would it, I mean, it's going to be embarrassing if we lose to the Cowboys no matter how it happens. So I'm just going right. to go fully in. I think that the Cowboys have been frauds this year. They put up unbelievable numbers against some terrible teams, and then they get embarrassed uh, you know, in situations where they definitely didn't need to. 
I don't know if I uh, I should have done more heaping of praise onto the Cardinals last time I uh, was on this podcast because the Cardinals were uh, America's team this year. They were the ones who were beating up <laughs> on these NFC phonies who you know couldn't are losing to this team that's you know in the re- first stages of rebuilding. So I think that it, it's frustrating that the Niners d- absolutely going nuclear on the Cowboys early this year doesn't really mean anything you still have to beat them again you know beating them by one point or beating them by 30 points it doesn't change the fact that you both start at zero uh if you run into them in the playoffs and they have firepower so um they they do scare me a little bit but i feel like because the niners have been there before and also it's clearly we're we're living in their head rent free uh which means them coming to our house i just i give you know every intangible advantage to the niners uh so you know unless Brock decides not to show up for work that day. I, I think that there's a pretty good chance that the Niners would get the best of the Cowboys. To answer this question myself, I went kind of thinking a little bit outside the box. My position remains, I think the Niners are head and shoulders the better team in the NFC. But I think the Lions are actually kind of low-key scary. The One of the games that was most frustrating to watch this year was the Niners against the Vikings because... They just could not stop. They could not get Kirk Cousins off the field going on these extremely long drives. And then the Niners would kind of short circuit, short drive, get the Vikings back on the field for these long drives. And the Lions, I don't know if Sam Laporta is going to play, but even without him, they have all these weapons. And there's been games where you look at Goff and you're like, this guy can deal. This is not the same golf that we used to play in the NFC West where we felt like, oh, free win against golf. So yeah. so it's funny you say that because yeah. uh, Dan Graziano of ESPN.com put out an article of myths about all 14 teams. And his myth for the Lions is that Jared Goff is so much better than he was with the Rams and basically saying, no, that's not true. He's barely better. He's basically the same quarterback. We just have these like visions in our head of a quarterback who held back a Super Bowl championship team and now one who's elevating a team who you wouldn't expect. Um, but yes, no, I, 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 I I'll tell you, keep going but, on. I'm a big Jerry. I watched Goff a lot fan, of so golf keep, keep when I was, uh, when he was back uh, here in the NFC West and he did get, he did get better as he spent more time with McVay. Rookie golf was mm-hmm. just, mm, give me more rookie no, golf mean, games. Right. But yeah. I mean, rookie golf had Jeff Fisher as his coach. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that you can really judge him <laughs> for that. Season. But I think there, there are times where the Lions offense, whether you credit it to golf or not, catches fire. And there's times where the Niners defense, even when fully healthy, just suddenly goes missing. And if those two things happen at the same time, that I think is a formula for failure. And the Niners have not, you know, there's the difference between the Niners and, uh, or I guess the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Lions, which I think are the, probably the three better teams uh, behind the Niners in the NFC right now, is that the Niners have beaten the Eagles and the Cowboys in convincing fashion this season. The Niners have not seen the Lions. Mm-hmm. And I think that that unknown is what makes that a little bit more scary to me. So that is a that is a very fair point. And the Lions are wildly entertaining to watch. And I didn't look, I didn't love their draft. I don't I don't think I was alone on that. And I still kind of don't like that they took a running back twelfth overall, but I feel like Jameer Gibbs has really uh broken out in the second half of the season. And Sam Laporta was <laughs> arguably the best tight end this year. Uh, I, I don't know, yeah. but, and then Jamison Williams, I, I mean, he had to improve on last year. He had one catch last year <laughs> and then he, yeah. and then he was su- suspended for first four games for, for gambling purposes. So he, 
I mean, he missed time already, so it was off to a bad start for him, but he's starting to be involved more in the offense a little bit, and now he'll be even more involved with Sam Laporta. I, I don't think he'll play this weekend. Yeah, I was wondering what his health status is after getting it, hurt. It says weekend. outside chance. Okay. So, I mean, the fact that it's, uh, luckily for them, it's not like, oh, he tore his ACL right. or anything, or he's going to be done for the playoffs, but it still sounds like it's doubtful for this weekend. Okay. Yeah, and I love that you said the Lions because they were the other team I was considering. Basically, the same points you said is that, you know, I focus more on the defensive side, but offensively, yeah, I mean, the, the Lions are pretty similar. They're like the Vikings team that beat the Niners team. You know, when Kirk Cousins was healthy, you know, the Vikings, they didn't have a historically bad defense, but they still had a, you know, it was better, but it, it was still not great. They didn't take turn over the ball a lot. They just happened to in that game. And then, of course, you know, being able, like you said, not being able to get Kirk Cousins off the field. So, the Lions have had some rough showings like Thanksgiving Day against Green Bay. They didn't play great in either games against Chicago, which they split. But we've also seen them look high-powered at times. So I do think they're a big threat. And then, like you said, we saw the Niners beat up on both the Cowboys and the Eagles this year. We haven't seen the Niners face this uh, version of the Detroit Lions, one who people believe could go to and win a Super Bowl. So uh, that, that does kind of the unknown factor, I think, definitely plays a, a big role there. So yeah, it, it's it's definitely Dallas or Detroit, kind of staying the obvious. But yeah, I, I lean Dallas just because Dak has played much better this season compared to last, and C.D. Lamb has been awesome as well. And then also because I, I like their defense more than Detroit's, right? At least in their secondary. And and in terms of like you know the worst games that the Niners had, it was against teams that had. I mean, I know we're talking about the Vikings and how they're like a below average defense and they had a really good offense at one point, but their losses also came against Cleveland. And I know that came down to last second field goal, but they were one of the best defenses this year. Right. And and then the Ravens, of course, like they have one of the best defenses in the league as well. And so maybe it's not just about the the high powered offense as well. Like they They also did lose to really elite defenses, too. Yeah, I mean, I know Cincinnati did not have the greatest defense. They definitely took a step back. But they had they, they healthy also, Joe Burrow. They were up there with <laughs> it's like right. How no, of course. How unlucky are you to run uh, into healthy Joe Burrow this year? That's just bad right. timing. Right. He played like four healthy games and have to be one against the Niners uh, when the Niners weren't healthy as well. So just you know, one of the the few games that they did have a few of those guys out. Oh, I totally forgot about that game. <laughs> yeah, that was a long time right. ago. Uh huh. So let's flip things over to the AFC now. So Baltimore Ravens also coming in, number one seed. Lamar Jackson is the presumed MVP favorite uh, with the way the season ended. Of course, that big win over San Francisco on Christmas Day. Blew out the Dolphins in Week 17. Locked up the one seed going into Week 18, which, of course, helped the Steelers a little with uh, not having to face Lamar Jackson. But um, that being said, let's kind of pose the same question here with who is the biggest threat to the Ravens from getting to the Super Bowl on the AFC side? Do I go first again or Benjamin? I say, I mean, Benjamin can go first this time. Because me and him go last. Okay. Last okay. Time. Well, for me, it's it's a very it's like a mirror image of the uh, like conferences. Like we've been saying, you very clearly have one top dog, and then after that, it's like, how do you personally feel about these other teams? Uh, whether or not you think they're any good or, or even stand a chance against the top dogs, but. I'm going to go with Cleveland. I think that, well, there's there's two main reasons why I'm going to go with Cleveland. One is because their defense is the best in the league. I, I mean, 
they Miles Garrett is playing out of his mind and defense wins championships. So I think that's an easy narrative to get behind that at, when it's cold outside and you're, you know, you're counting on your defense to just disrupt some of these offenses that have looked good against weaker teams. I really like your chances with Cleveland, but I'm also really excited about the mythic reappearance of playoff Joe Flacco. This man was unstoppable when he made his Super Bowl run, and I think he's got a little magic left. So I'm so excited to see how he does. I'm not expecting him to go 11 touchdowns, zero <laughs> interceptions. Um, I uh, actually think that it's crucial that the uh, the defense plays lights out because Joe's going to throw interceptions. But, right. He turned the ball over yeah. a lot. You know, as great as he was, he still had a lot of interceptions. But he's also airing it out. He's getting the ball out downfield and letting Amari Cooper cook. And I think that, you know, if if they're able to stymie the the Ravens offense, those, you know, you throw two 80 yard bombs and one of them's picked off and one of them's a touchdown, uh, you know, you, you that that rate of return might work out for you uh, enough to get past the Ravens. So I'm saying that I'm saying the Cleveland Browns are the biggest threat to the Ravens. If you told me before the season started that one of the biggest threats, uh, Super Bowl threats this year entering the playoffs would be 38-year-old Joe Flacco <laughs> and the Cleveland Browns. I would be asking, what kind of drugs am I smoking <laughs> in 2024? Because <laughs> uh, I, I can't totally disagree with all those points. The Cleveland definitely, I don't know. I think I, I think they definitely have a sh- shot at making a run. I don't know about the Super Bowl, but uh, I, I think they have, good chances uh, entering the postseason which feels crazy to say but it would be an incredible story if, if joe flacco I, does go on another run 11 years after his first and only one and possibly facing his old team right. too <laughs> on the road that would be so wild um yeah so for my answer look i i don't i don't trust any of these teams even even baltimore <laughs> i mean even though baltimore has been awesome this year still have not seen that in the playoffs and I will believe it when I see it, is I guess what I'm trying to say with Baltimore. So I don't trust any of these teams in the AFC, but my answer, I'm going to go with Buffalo. Uh, I just think that they're starting to turn things around right now. And look, when it comes to the Buffalo Bills, what's that quote in Forrest Gump? Life is a box of chocolates. The Buffalo Bills are a box <laughs> of chocolates. You never uh-huh. know what you're going to get. Josh Allen in particular. Like I was watching that game versus Miami, and that first quarter – I was I was question is the guy hammered <laughs> with some of these throws that he's making? Uh, it's just abs- he 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 drives me crazy sometimes. But at the same time, when he's on, he take he could take a game over, and uh, I think they have the most upside of any of the well, besides Baltimore. I mean, I think they have the most upside of the uh, other AFC contenders left. And I look Buffalo; they certainly have flaws. Don't get me wrong, but. I, I, I'm more concerned about the flaws on the other teams more than Buffalo's. I've, I've said it enough, and I'll say it again with Kansas City, that I don't believe in their offense this year with their crap receivers and Travis Kelsey looking really old right now. And and then you have, look, the Houston Texans are a great story, uh, but at the same time, it is their first year uh, in, in the D'Amico Ryan, C.J. Stroud era, and... At some point, that probably will end. I'm not saying it'll, uh, it'll look. It'll be a fifty-fifty kind of a coin toss 
kind of game versus Cleveland, but in terms of like Super Bowl aspirations, I, I think they've it's been very inconsistent this year. So yeah, and then and then Miami, the, Miami is the the Dallas of the AFC kind of uh, where they'll beat the shit out of these crap teams, and but the second they face a a, a good team, especially on the road, they'll <laughs> they'll. I don't know. They'll they'll fall apart. They are. I, I think there's. The, they also have a lot of injuries, but semi fraudulent, yeah. and and they have a lot of injuries right now as they well. They beat Dallas too. Uh, by we were, the way, so they're they the worst yes. Dallas, <laughs> and they're in the AFC uh, or the uh, better Dallas. Sorry. And then Benjamin, and then Benjamin already talked about Cleveland. Uh, I think I think pretty highly of them. I don't know about Super Bowl again. And then. Uh, do we need to talk about the Steelers and their Super Bowl chances, Corey? I mean, I'm, I guess we will. <laughs> yeah. <he's>... Yeah. <laughs> right. Watch I mean, out. Yeah. No, of course. The, the, the Steelers, like, winning it. I did think about wearing a Super Bowl 40 hat instead of my TJ Watt jersey, partially because TJ Watt's hurt and isn't going to play, but also, you know, Steelers were the last team in the AFC that year. But, of course, it's very different. And uh, I'm not going into it being like, oh, I think that the Steelers are going to win the Super Bowl. I feel way better about this team because Mason Rudolph has given life to this. Like Mitch Trubisky, I that was the lowest of lows that I have been in a long time watching him play football. So, you know, it, it's an upgrade there. But yes, I get it. The Steelers are probably in the win a playoff game. And like that is the Super Bowl. Um, go on a deep run would be just a. Uh, I, I, incredible on how what what happened to Mason Rudolph? Just, how is this guy like just, a Super Bowl champion after being a third stringer to Kenny Biggett and Mr. Missy? I, just just a month ago, I had the I listened to Corey talk about how we need we need to move from Mike on from Mike Tomlin. I, I didn't totally disagree with this point. Yeah, I'm no, just, I I'm just acknowledging that that's what you mentioned. Uh, what you would like the Steelers to consider doing is moving yeah, on from Mike Tomlin. I did, and, and now a month later. I got to listen to every single ESPN analyst in a, the biggest circle sesh <laughs> and talk about how Mike Tomlin's the reason why the Steelers are in the playoffs not, again. Not true. No, it's well, Mike Tomlin dug his own grave and then dug out of it. He's getting praise for digging out of the this giant hole that he dug himself into. Like if Mason Rudolph, I don't know what would happen. Like I, I think that he beats the Patriots. I don't know about the Cardinals game just because of you know the delay and everything. And the Colts game was. Uh, but is, if R- Rudolph was a backup quarterback the whole time, I think that the Steelers would be taken way more seriously. And I think that a lot of people are just like, remember those first 14 weeks, the first 10 games of Matt Canada. And like, I tell me, I, I have PTSD thinking back on that. But the last three weeks have been very different. And it's also like, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, Mike Tomlin is all good again because he still hasn't won a playoff game in seven years. So here's your chance to do that. So does um, that change your yeah, opinion that- on Mike Tomlin if you guys win a playoff game? Yes. Oh, absolutely. It clock resets. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, of course. And I mean, you know, there's still more things to do from there, but like, right. I think that absolutely would like, I, I would be totally fine extending him. If he goes into Buffalo and wins this game, then yes. Yes. Sign me up for that. And then let's see what, what the future is. But anyway, Brian, continue. I know they're, they're just <laughs> they're I, I don't know. I just, I kind of hate that they're 10, seven. They got to face Jake Browning twice and they, they got to face, uh, Last week, a, a team, a Ravens team that had nothing to play whoa, whoa, whoa. for. And they I know they beat them earlier in the year. Quarterback, so yeah, they were, right. They were, you know, that's a tough team. Oh my god! You, listen, either you agree that they started a great quarterback, or you're admitting the Pro Bowl is completely meaningless. Yeah, the, pro, the, the Pro Bowl is completely meaningless. <laughs> it was, yeah, it sucks. Mitch Trubisky was once a Pro Bowler. Speaking of, right, right. I know it's it, yeah. I and. 
that game was also played in a monsoon. It was just like an ugly football game. So I don't really yeah. take too much away from it. Other than the fact that Rudolph still went eight for eighteen for twenty passing, which is just um, you know, unreal to think about because Kenny Pickett couldn't even do that throwing screen passes at Jalen Warren the whole game. Yeah. But yeah, my answer is Buffalo. I, I just think they have the most upside of, of the uh remaining AFC teams after Baltimore. And even though Steph Diggs hasn't really done a lot lately. I, f- I feel like Josh Allen and Steph Diggs connected uh, a little bit a little bit more in this past game. And I think I think that is going to be huge, especially if the the, the Bills want to avoid Steph Diggs losing his his mind again on the on the sidelines. And so they definitely that that chemistry has to definitely get going in the playoffs, especially if Gabe Davis might be hurt now. And uh, I, I I like what I've seen from. Kincaid in the second half of the season after having a slow start he's definitely going to be more involved in the offense and then James Cook he's not some bell cow or true bell cow like McCaffrey or anything like that but he had a really strong second half of the season as well so I just think it's starting to turn uh things are starting to turn around for Buffalo because there was a point where they were not in the playoffs they were still they still didn't clinch uh, until uh Jacksonville lost to Tennessee so they could have been they could have been out of the playoffs. Uh, so there's t- totally downside with Buffalo. Like they, they find ways to blow games for sure. Don't get me wrong. But I I just think uh, they have the most upside of the remaining AFC teams after Baltimore, especially, especially if Josh Allen uh, is, is playing as playing as a level game. Yeah, I mean, I think Buffalo is the true wild card of oh, you know this. Yeah, because, no, like, yeah. pun intended. Yes, they yeah. are the super wild card, and that they are the team that you can easily picture them winning the Super Bowl, and you can easily picture their season just falling apart in just what the hell just happened fashion. Just knowing yep. the highs of Josh Allen, the lows of Josh Allen. Even James Cook has a fumbling problem. Like he could easily run for two hundred yards or whatever he did. Or against he could Dallas, have a, two and then, fumbles and, and yeah, get benched for right. for le- Leonard. <laughs> Fournette, playoff Lenny. <laughs> this is his time to shine, uh, right? <laughs> right, right. So you're right. It is his time. Tomlin did specifically call out Leonard Fournette in a uh, press conference. Just like, oh man, like he's he's gonna let Leonard Fournette kill him in the playoffs, <laughs> just like six years ago against Jacksonville. Uh, but anyway. So I think that there were like three directions that I was prepared to go, which I was kind of okay big by going last. Um, one of them would have been Buffalo, just talking about you know the the highs, you know what, how great that team could be. Uh, another one was Cleveland with a slight little mention of Pittsburgh because the Steelers did win seven out of the last eight times they played Baltimore, including all three matchups Lamar Jackson played. Like you know for whatever reason, the Steelers are Lamar Jackson's boogeyman. Um, but I think that the other direction I'll go. Some team that we kind of have to talk about here. Uh, how about the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs? And I think that one thing that has been thrown out with this team a lot in the past is talking about how terrible their wide receivers are. And there have been comparisons to one team in particular, Brian is familiar with, 2006 New England Patriots. And I brought that comparison up in the past. Yes. Right. I mean, that team, It's if you just look at who they had on that roster, you Rache Caldwell, Javar Gaffney. Right. Benjamin Watson. Scrub, was, scrub wide receiver after the next. Right. It was like a lot of names that people probably wouldn't be familiar with. And literally the next year, it caused them to go out and get Randy Moss and Wes Welker. Wes Welker. Among Dante others, Stallworth. yeah, of course, built the 16-0 team. Um, 
and I do think that there's a very good chance this was going to happen with Kansas City. That that's personally what I believe is that you know the wide receivers, whatever the talent, it's going to mess them up, and then next year this team is going to go out and maybe they'll poach T Higgins from the Bengals. You know, maybe they'll use uh, you know multiple draft picks on actually good <laughs> young wide receivers. Um, but I think another team that could also be a good comparison for this one is the 2018 Patriots. I mean, that team, that was, we talked about them at the time. Brian, you even think the Patriots beat the Chargers in the divisional round? <laughs> yeah, and then once home. it got to that game where like literally the entire planet was on the Chargers, I'm like, okay, the Patriots are winning this game. <laughs> right, and it was just like out of yeah. nowhere. And then they go into Arrowhead, and you know, all of a sudden this team that had been struggling, they just yeah, they were really Yeah, they were really lucky that there were still two buys, <laughs> right? Uh, right. That's because they went. They were eleven and five, but they still got a bye week because they still there were still two buys and six teams in each side of the playoffs. But yeah, I, I didn't think very highly of that team. Uh, pretty much all year until they beat Kansas City, right? And <laughs> like then they that, went out and beat that was the really the, that Super was really Bowl. the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Because once once they beat them, it's like all right, like now they just got to face Jared Goff, who I I don't care what the stats say, <laughs> I did not think very highly of you. Highly of him ever when he was in on on the Rams, I and mean. that should have right. that should have been the Saints, right? That was the year at the it should have yeah, been the, the Saints yeah. should have been, been the, the Super Bowl. Uh, that, that 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 call that's still one of the worst calls or missed calls uh, ever. Yeah, so to me, I, I think it's fair to say that the Chiefs are a huge threat to the Ravens and the rest of the AFC if something changes in the playoffs. If Travis Kelsey all of a sudden gets five years younger, you know, whatever needs to happen for that. Patrick Mahomes, like Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore scored touchdowns in the Super Bowl. It's just yeah, something and, and crazy. On one happens. catch. <laughs> right, yeah, one catch, but they ended up being two That's all they need. huge yeah. catches. Yeah, of course. So I think that. To me, like that would be a big thing. It would stop the Ravens. It's really, it's kind of just like in general. Um, the Ravens, to me, are the best team in the AFC, and I know they haven't shown it in the playoffs, but I think that it's now or never for this team. And I think it's it's not the same as the Niners, but it's not that far different. And that you know, it's going to take one of these teams just doing something extraordinary when they happen to be facing Baltimore. So. Um, and it, it, part of it is also like we've seen a lot of these teams highs and we've also seen a lot of their lows and the lows have been pretty bad across the board, even for teams like Buffalo and Kansas City. So um, I, I can't I can't I want to so badly, but I, I can't totally disregard your points on Kansas City because we've seen like those Patriots teams, like brutal receiver receiving groups. But as long as you have the, the guy at quarterback, right. you can't count them out. Yeah, just something changes in the playoffs. Who knows what it is? But the thing is, history will be so unkind to analysts who are counting them out if they play well, because you're gonna be. Like, why didn't you pick the Chiefs? Chiefs are always good. Right. Why, why, why would you doubt the Chiefs? <laughs> it's Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey. They're always good. Uh, it doesn't matter. You know, they're the Chiefs. Yeah. So, <laughs> right, and they'll they'll let you know it as they're ho- hoisting right. Lombardi Trophy, you know, calling out the the mayor of your town and every writer on NFL dot com. <laughs> uh, I saw so. the, this Instagram picture today that was showing the the Chiefs had won eight consecutive uh, division titles, and yes. eight seasons ago they had only ever won eight division titles and everyone else in their division oh had, wow i think 15 and or 16 they're all around 15 and then the chiefs uh, was like nope we're just gonna double it <laughs> in in all yeah. consecutively which is just unbelievable dominance right i know it, it's something it's unprecedented for the most part except compared to the patriots right. dynasty i know the chiefs have a long way to go but you know that if any team is on a track it's what kansas city's doing so 
Um, that being said, let's kind of move away. And you know, we've already talked about a few teams that fit the criteria for this one. But uh, I think for the most part, we were highlighting the higher seeds as the bigger threats. But let's kind of talk about the lower seeds, sleeper teams. And we're going with the four through the seven seed. Uh, mostly because the four seed in a lot of cases is below teams that are wild card uh, based on records. So let's talk about who's a sleeper team that could maybe make a surprise run here. I'll go first. Okay. Uh, so there are two teams that really stuck out for me for this question. One of them, Ben, Benjamin already talked about with the Browns. The other team that they're not really sneaky. They're kind of a popular uh, lower se- lower seeded team, but the Rams have really played well in the second half of the season. They won seven of their last eight games and their one loss came against Baltimore and at the end oh, of the overtime, game. In overtime, right? In or- overtime, they could have ended the the year on an eight-game winning streak and they beaten some really good teams. And I'm not going to count the Niners one last week as a great win. That was just against backups. But still, they've been really impressive down the stretch. I didn't think the Rams were going to make the playoffs. Uh, I, I was definitely wrong on that, but I mean, if you told me Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua would be superstars by <laughs> by just year one, then yeah, I probably would have been a little bit higher on the Rams. Uh, and Kyron Williams is I, in his second year. Oh, okay, second year. But you, yeah. all right, so that's but that's still, my bad. Thing. Right. I mean, they're but both fifth round picks. They're both fifth round picks, and I thought it would be a huge drop off after it'd just be Cooper Cup and a bunch of nobodies. But not only is it not that, but Cooper Cup might not even be the number one guy on their offense, which would scare the hell out of me uh, right. if I'm an imposing team. And again, like what I mentioned with the Lions, I I don't know, I don't know. I'm really torn on that game in particular because I think the Lions can make a a run for sure. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time with the Rams, it's like, man, the, Li- the Lions had all these years of agony uh, in the NFC uh, NFC North, and Rodgers is out of the division. They finally win uh, the division. And then their first game, playoff game, they have to face Matthew Stafford, <laughs> who they traded yep. just a, just a few years ago. Like, great, that, uh-huh. like that would just suck <laughs> as a Lions fan if that, like, that's that's what we get after all these years is a playoff loss to the our former franchise quarterback. That would yeah, just uh, suck. it makes and, makes for great TV, but definitely like just another <laughs> horror moment for Lions fans waiting. Yeah, and so the if the Rams definitely, uh, and they have arguably won the. Not arguably. They have one of the best coaches in the league, but arguably maybe the best coach in the league with McVay. And yeah, that's a team I would definitely take seriously. Um, and I, I wouldn't pick them like that year where they did win the Super Bowl. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't count them out either, though. So I'll go with the Rams. I, I love that as a pick because they have looked great and it doesn't seem fair that they're already this far into their <laughs> rebuild. That you know, we got together to talk about the NFC West back in August, and the the script. I'm I'm looking at the script right now, and for the Los Angeles Rams, the question was, if the Rams stars stay healthy, are the Rams contenders again? And I don't know if I said this exactly, but the notes that I wrote down to say was not just if their stars stay healthy, but if their young guys break out. They have so many rookies and unproven players. If they all suddenly break out simultaneously, the Rams could be back early. Yes. And I said that being facetious. I was like, yeah, uh, uh, if a bunch of guys you've never heard of suddenly become the best ever, then they'll be back. And then they're back. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. 
Puk- right. Puka Nakua really does mean no worries for the That's rest right. of your days. Him, <laughs> right. Like, your defense. Even defensively, Kobe yeah. Turner, yeah, third round pick. Like they got all these guys. Like they na- they did the perfect thing. Trade all your first round picks for proven stars, and then nail every third through seventh round pick you make. <laughs> like that's the perfect way to build a team. Every other one, every other team should take notes. <laughs> yeah, so that's really what I, what I had to have take uh, taken was to actually nail those picks because they didn't have, yeah, like you said, any first rounders left. I don't know when's when is their next, next year? round pick? Next year, yeah, they have a first oh, round wow. pick. They'll out. probably right. trade it. They might. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just they haven't picked in the first round since Jared Goff. Jared Goff overall, yeah. <laughs> And I think they were still technically the St. Louis Rams when they drafted him. So that's how yeah, they long were. It's been. Yeah. Or was it their first year? Their first year as the LA Rams. I think they played one year with uh, Jeff Fisher in Los Angeles before McVeigh took over. Oh, I have to look that up now. Yeah, it was definitely trans. <laughs> it might be like uh, Russell Westbrook was drafted by the Sonics and then became the Thunder a month later. It might be a situation like that. But I'm pretty sure that they already knew that they were Los Angeles at that point. Um. Anyway, while you're looking them up, so yeah, I mean, the Rams and the Browns are the top two teams to kind of throw out there, but I think one other team that I'll mention, um, so my brother is a big fan of the Houston Texans. He is constantly texting me stuff related to this team. (laughs) Most of the time, I don't necessarily care, but he did throw out this one stat. So he said, three quarterbacks in NFL history have led the league in both passing yards per game and touchdown to interception ratio. 1989, Joe Montana, 2017, Tom Brady. 2023 cj stroud the other two went to the super bowl so there you go cj stroud might follow in their footsteps uh but that's the only thing i really yeah i mean it's great company to be in Uh, i think what the Texans have accomplished has been incredible i think it would take a lot but again you look at the top teams in the afc above them like they all have flaws uh you know cj stroud when he's at his best he looks like a top of the line nfl he already he already is a top 10 quarterback in yeah, the league. right i mean it's to the point where like yeah you probably still take lamar jackson josh allen and patrick mahomes over cj stroud but there's not too many other guys that you know teams would throw out there and say for sure i would rather have him like my joe burrow yeah joe burrow's one i mean i guess you kind of hard to remember him with his injury but yeah yeah, I mean, it's a short list of guys. And CJ Stroud is a rookie. He's on a rookie contract. You know, all those other guys have already gotten paid. So uh, I think that it's probably at least a year or two too early for us to seriously consider the Texas as a Super Bowl team. But, you know, it's, we've seen crazy I, I hate, stuff I hate being before. a year too late because I definitely thought the Texans at some point would be the best team in the right. division. I just didn't think it'd be literally year one uh, uh, into that the D'Amico Ryan, C.J. Stroud era. Yeah, I mean, it took a really bad collapse from the Jacksonville Jaguars losing five of their last six games, but, hey, don't mess with Myron Cope's towel. That's uh, It comes back. It, they never learn. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Houston at this point, if they can beat Cleveland, I think that would be a – that would give them a better draft pick. Normally, it's the other way around, but because Houston owns Cleveland's pick and Houston doesn't own their own pick, they would have a better draft pick because they would get Cleveland's pick, which would fall in the 19 through 24 range, while their pick would be 25 through 28 or later. So, um, all right. so let's, That's uh, another team like the Rams where we're talking about rebuilding process. Didn't think it would right? be this early in the <laughs> right? rebuild oh, process of them being this good, but yeah. You and I felt like, oh, we were like really being oh, like, edgy. Oh, I was like, oh, 7-10, like the hot takes. Yeah, right. like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
It's like, I could yeah. see him making some noise. Seven and ten is in the picture. Like, it clearly was in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> Them yeah. winning seven games, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, anyway, let's uh, let's kind of shift the focus off um, teams that we believe can, you know, do make some noise here. And let's uh, talk about teams and players who are under the most pressure. So... <laughs> Probably some more obvious than others, but uh, let's kind of go through this. Let's start with teams that we believe are under the most pressure to succeed in this postseason. And I guess um, I'll let you like. I'll go, go first. Go, are you I I yeah. think there's an obvious one here, and it's the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> no, <laughs> and it's it's a team, but also a person. Uh, Kyle Shanahan specifically. I think if you're Brock Purdy, it's actually slightly less pressure because you're looking at Brock. It's like his career is just. You know, he's still crawling out of the uh, proverbial egg, you know, out of the birth of his NFL career that nobody saw coming. But Kyle Shanahan has two Super Bowl late game collapses. One, the worst collapse of all time. Those are two giant monkeys that have been on his back for the longest time. And we've had some heartbreakers. We've talked about these heartbreakers on this podcast before with the way that the Niners seasons have ended in devastating fashion under Kyle Shanahan. And this is probably, in my opinion, as a Niners diehard fan, this is the best 49ers team that we've seen in the Kyle Shanahan era. Probably the best 49ers team I've ever watched as a living human, like uh, it happening in real time. Um, and it's, you don't, you know, it's, it's not guarantee that you're going to get a chance this good again so you have to execute now and if the obviously i'm not saying that anyone's getting fired but i think that this would really there's a lot of pressure on this team to finish they've they got the one seed they stayed healthy now take it all the way the the field looks weak you know there's only a few teams you're even really scared of so make the most likely outcome the the actual outcome you know finish no one's going to care about the one seed if we don't win the super bowl yeah so i mean that's that's really the answer the niners in terms of team and yep. then in terms of people yeah i, I would there's a reason why i picked kyle shanahan as the guy with the most pressure to succeed uh when we did the regular season preview is that yeah like he's not on, he's never going to be on the hot seat uh, at least for some time now he's definitely one of the best coaches in the league. Don't get me wrong, but it's yeah, it's you got to win the big, the big one. And he's been the Super Bowl, yes, once as a coordinator and once as a coach, head coach. But he's part of like two big collapses in those games too. And so, yeah, there's definitely a lot of pressure on the Niners and more than ever because even though they've always been a really good team, I feel like this is their best chance of winning a Super Bowl. Not right to mention now. the Niners have leveraged uh, so their future in a, to a certain degree. For this particular run, Chase Young, Randy Gregory, the, they're heck McCa uh, McCaffrey last year. They traded four different. Uh, yes, one of them wasn't a first rounder, but they traded second, third, fourth, and fifth. Yeah, and pick for a running George, back, right. worth it though. George it. Kittle isn't getting any younger. Brandon Ayuk's about to demand a whole lot of money. This is the, the time to win is now. Trent Williams is he's, yeah, yes, right. he's still one of the best left tackles in the league, but he's also getting up there exactly. too. Exactly, and you know it's, it's so hard to replace these these blue chip players. So you gotta you gotta cash in now. Yeah. So those are the actual answers. Uh, I'll go with a different team and head coach for my as my backup answer. You know what team we haven't talked about pretty much at all. <laughs> 
What team? The Eagles <laughs> suck oh, yeah. so yes. much right now. They've made the Super Bowl uh, last year, and they were that close from winning it, and they didn't. And so there were, of course, high expectations coming into this season, and they started off pretty awesome. They were ten and one, and granted, they got they were pretty lucky in some of those games, and they didn't look perfect, but they were ten and one. And ever since then. <laughs> I love that I love that SpongeBob meme that Ben sent the other day. <laughs> I am first in line and no one's going to tell me otherwise. Second. <laughs> if anyone has no idea what I'm talking about, it, it, you'd have to know. Like if, it's, they they were first in the NFC and looked like they were going to be uh in position for the 1C, but not only did they not do that, but they didn't even win their own division. They're starting in the on the road in the playoffs and there's a lot of pressure, I think, because if they lose to Tampa, I think Nick Sirianni is definitely on the hot seat. Even though he's had plenty of success uh, in, the, in you know the past couple of seasons, I, I wouldn't be. It wouldn't surprise me if they just let him go if they were to lose to Tampa, uh, with how everything has gone. And sometimes I think losing offensive, defensive coordinators can be a little overrated at times. But for the, for the Eagles, like no, it's actually really affecting them. And AJ Brown had to hold this players only meeting on how we got to stick together and we gotta believe in the coaches. <laughs> you know what that tells me? It means they don't believe in the coaches whatsoever. Especially if Matt Patricia is your D coordinator, they're falling apart right now. And I mean, forget Super Bowl, forget Super Bowl aspirations because they're very likely losing to. Uh, San Francisco, Dallas, or Detroit, if they were to make it out of the for, out of the first round versus Tampa, like forget that. Like, can they even beat Tampa? Like, I, I last week I was like, oh, they'll beat the Giants. Like, I know they lost <laughs> all these games, but like, come on, they got to beat the Giants, and like, they can't even do that now. Uh, so, even if they don't have the same expectations like the Niners, I still think there's a lot of pressure on Philly. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I did have the Eagles written down just thinking similar things. And it's also like, yeah, like if they lose that game to the box, at the very least, it. their coordinators <laughs> are gone. But Nick Sirianni, like, I would not be shocked if he joins them. I actually saw that uh, the Carolina Panthers are interviewing OC Brian Johnson for their head coach vacancy. That would be just a perfect Panthers move for them to do is just save Philly from their <laughs> offensive coordinator who everyone is calls out his plays and it's like yeah that's the guy that we're <laughs> gonna bring in so um, i don't think it's gonna happen i do think like the eagles are they're a mess right now and it, it's no surprise that we did not mention them as a potential sleeper team or a threat um earlier so it doesn't make sense to talk about them now there are a couple other teams that i'm looking at here i agree the niners are the biggest one i'm gonna go one answer kind of geared toward being different than what I'm prepared to say in the next segment or what I think one of you might, but who knows? Um, I'm going to say the Buffalo bills and look, I mean, this is a team that year after year, like we've seen them be a top seed in the AFC and they've come so close. You remember 2020 AFC championship game in Kansas city. It's like, all right, they're building something. They're not there yet. The next year, 13 seconds. I mean, that's all you need to say about that one. And then last season, it's like, all right, this is finally their year, and they get embarrassed at home by the Bengals in the snow. So as much as I, I feel like the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the AFC and I still put them above Buffalo, I very much think that the Bills can go toe-to-toe with them, but I also think that the Bills can lose to anybody. So I uh, I think the Bills are under a lot of pressure. I mean, if they lose to the Steelers, then Sean McDermott has to go, and this team's going to have a lot of questions. And even if they advance, if they lose at home to Kansas City, I still think there's a lot of questions. I think that this team needs to 
the very least go to the AFC Championship game after not going the past two years. But this team should have Super Bowl aspirations. When are you going to get there? You know, Aaron Rodgers yeah, will be I, back next year. The Dolphins, who knows with them? Like, I don't think it's a guarantee that they win the AFC East every year, like the Chiefs win the AFC yeah. West every year. Yeah, that's a that's a good answer because I mean, obviously, if they lose to the Steelers, forget it. But I think I think AFC Championship should be should be kind of the expectation where okay yeah if they were to make it and then lose to Baltimore like that's not a fail but if before but anything but uh short of that though like yeah like losing to Pittsburgh or like yes Kansas City has has been historically great don't get me wrong but I I think they should be favored in that game especially it would be Patrick Mahomes first career road game first road playoff game playoff game yeah (laughs) Uh, so yeah, real playoff game. It's crazy. If if that were to happen, listen I mean, after nine right. eleven comments, McDermott needed to be fired. So oh my maybe, god, I forgot maybe it's a good that. thing if they lose and then there's a shakeup. You know, maybe that's good for everybody in the Bills organization. Yeah, he did make those comments in 2019, but it is kind of fun that people say since they got leaked, the Bills are five and zero. They haven't <laughs> lost, but yeah, I, I thought that was like <laughs> he was going to get fired, like it was inevitable, and then they stuck their way to the playoffs. Is the two seed just out that of was nowhere. the key? That was the key to their success. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, now let's turn it to um, player under the most pressure to succeed. Uh, I'll go first again, and I again, yeah. I'm I'm. You guys are giving me the the easy ones. Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, he's great. He's you know he's in that uh, that same kind of conversation with Peyton Manning, where it's like best regular season quarterback, and he's on his way to a second MVP, and you know much you know very much deserved. Uh, but I don't think that's going to mean much if it's followed up by a early playoff exit. So it's up to Lamar primarily, chiefly among Ravens to succeed in the postseason. Prove that you can take that your game, your MVP level play beyond the regular season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it is another kind of easy answer there. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been my first choice too. Um I to go to go with a backup I don't know, Corey, you kind of talked about this with the Bills, um, the two seed in the AFC. How about the two seed in the NFC where, like, yeah, okay, the Dallas has been great in the regular season, but it's the same thing over again. Like, what are they going to do when in the playoffs when it really matters, particularly Dak Prescott? Yes, he's had a better season, but now you're in games that really count, and if they were just fall flat on their face again, like, that would be such a bad look uh on on Dak um and that's a team that like that th- they should have NFC championship aspirations as well kind of like Buffalo in the AFC where okay yeah I I I think Green Bay has some shot of beating them but I think they should still win that game and of course and then um if they were to face Detroit <laughs> like that that could be a really heated game after what happened we, what we saw in week 17 with the how that game ended and and the Lions would certainly be motivated in that game if they were to, if those two were to meet, and I don't know. I I think I think uh, there's a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott as well because yes, he's had this great season, not MVP like like Lamar, but he ha- he was in the MVP conversation for a time, and now he has to back it up as well. So that yeah, like that's a Lamar's the the easy choice, but I think uh, Dak is a good uh, second option there. 
if I had said the Cowboys are the team under the most pressure, would you have said Josh Allen or were you ready to go with Dak as the player? Um, that's that's fair. I mean, maybe I would have said that. maybe I would have just flipped okay, off there. That is, fair. Uh, that is fair, but Dallas is America's team, right? No, and I think both of those teams are very similar. They're both under a lot of pressure. I think it's top to bottom of the organization. The quarterbacks are under pressure in the sense and, of and then, I mean, Josh Allen and, finally being able to be on the same level as his peers, Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, with the Super Bowl appearance. And then Dak Prescott is just he had the great regular season, back it up in the playoffs. But both and, Josh Allen and, and Dak Prescott and, have been good in the playoffs. Their teams have just lost. So anyway, well, they, they've also have failed themselves. They have, too. Right. Yes, they, they have. It's gone both ways. But but you know what? You know, you mentioned the bills. Look, I think it, I think McDermott would be more li- be live to be fired than Mike McCarthy. But <laughs> Mike McCarthy, like to, if he were to just lose to his former team without Aaron yeah, Rodgers in right. the playoffs, like that would be such a bad look, too. <laughs> and who knows what would happen if they were to lose that game? Uh, in terms of uh, what would happen with him, I, I'm, he probably still would be there, but I wouldn't there totally rule it out. There have been reports that how Dallas finishes the playoffs is going to somewhat play a role in his job security. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think it's possible both of those teams. So anyway, going back to player. Kind of uh, an under-the-radar. Um, I kind of like to look in a lot of different directions, especially when I go last year and I, I don't get the obvious answers. How about Baker Mayfield? He had a good season with Tampa like it to the point where it's like oh he's like going to be the quarterback he's going to get a good contract his last two games against New Orleans and Carolina not very good not very good at all he got lucky to be facing the Panthers to get a nine nothing win and that the Saints waited until they were almost mathematically eliminated from the playoffs to look like the offense that their fans thought they were going to be <laughs> when they traded for Derek Carr so uh now the Bucks, they're facing the Eagles. And yes, the Eagles are defending NFC champs. Like we've seen them be really good at times. Their secondary is so bad. Their defense as a whole is terrible. If he can't have a great performance and the Bucks lose this game, he might be leaving a lot of money on the table. And I don't know that it's a guarantee that Tampa's gonna give him like a Geno Smith esque contract if he sucks in the playoffs against that Eagles team. So yeah, and I do think they, there's a lot of pressure on him to play well next week or this weekend. They they played each other in week three. It was at Tampa as yep. well. And I, th- I think it was Monday, Monday night also. Yeah. It was Monday it night. Was. And Eagles won pretty convincingly. It was 25 to 11, 11 I think it yeah. was. Right. It might have yeah. been a score so, me. And, and look, the secondary was not as nearly as big of an issue as it is now. Like it's, it's, right. it's so much worse now than it was early in the year. So, yeah, you got Baker, their offense. Whether they win or not, they have to score points against yes. that the way they're the eagles defense is playing right now right if they win or not yeah yeah so uh, i mean they're definitely like you can make an argument for a lot of different teams and a lot of different players here but uh just kind of being a little different in that section so um with that being said let's move on to our predictions so let's start with picking our games for this weekend so uh brian and i throughout the playoffs are going to give you picks and um I remember last year I went six and zero in Wild Card Weekend. I think I went either nine and two or ten and one for the whole playoffs. So I'm fully prepared to be completely wrong and have it go the other. <laughs> oh, I, I'm going to get all these games wrong. I, like I, I keep flip, I, I keep flip flopping on a lot of these games. I stick to this minute. I'm still like <laughs> no, debating. I, I, yeah, not I, even I, joking. I totally that to that. me is what so. makes this a particularly super Wild Card Weekend, or maybe. Particularly yes. wild super wild card weekend because <laughs> there's so many games right. where you're like, I don't know who's gonna win this game, which is 
that's the best. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Right. Yeah. yeah the, I, the, the, I'm very excited to see what happens. I really think the league it hasn't been great this year. So many quarterbacks have been injured this year, and uh, it's it hasn't been the greatest product. However, the parody is kind of awesome, <laughs> where I genuinely don't have a clue on pretty much all these games on who's going to win or not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw plenty of upsets throughout the season. A lot of teams, we said the injuries have just changed things drastically. So, um, that being said, let's start. Let's kind of go down the line in the order of the game. Saturday afternoon, back where they belong, the Houston Texans hosting the Cleveland Browns. Who you guys got in this one? Uh, I'll go first. Yeah, I, I, I think I think this will be a close, entertaining game. If I had to pick, though. I think it'll be a closer game than what we saw in Week 16 because because uh, the Browns won pretty convincingly in that game. Love seeing Amari Cooper destroy their secondary. That was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I don't think he'll go for 265 yards again, but I do think <laughs> he'll still create problems for the Texans' defense. And I'll say the Browns win. Uh, the way their offense has been playing lately with Joe Flacco just lighting lighting it up of late this past month plus or so. He's in the rung for comeback player of the year, which I think he absolutely deserves. Um yeah, the way their offense has played even with uh without Deshaun Watson, without Nick Chubb, it's still been good and then their defense has been arguably the best defense in the league and the C- the CJ Stroud, the Texas, they've been awesome this year they've been they've been great great story but if i had to lean one team or the other i will lean with cleveland yeah i uh i agree with that i'm gonna go with cleveland as well i think miles garrett i I honestly i haven't followed the defensive player of the year race but uh you know with my limited amount of football knowledge i think he's my defensive player of the year um he's been the media wants to give it to him yeah and again i'm i've this year especially become more you know, influ- are, are willing to listen to the advanced metrics and be like, yeah, pressures are just as valuable or similarly valuable to actually getting home and getting sacks. Nick Bosa did not get that many sacks this year, but he was out there being disruptive. Uh, so thy homerisms adding into that. But I, I've loved what I've seen from Miles Garrett this year. And the the whole Browns defense, I think, is really great. And the, the other thing is, you know, Houston, um, they've they're kind of playing with house money here. Uh, like losing in this situation for Houston, I mean, sucks. It sucks to lose in the postseason, no matter what your situation. But um, you know, they've had such a, a great year. Um, I don't think that necessarily, uh, you know, is a disappointing end. If if even if they go one and done. Yeah, so I'll say for Texans fans, there's probably very few teams that they would um, rather lose to in the playoffs than the Cleveland Browns for obvious reasons. I guess they have the luxury of it not being Deshaun Watson, although losing to Joe Flacco probably isn't the <laughs> the ideal person to have end your season. Um, yeah, I mean, you talked about that game in Week 16. The Texans not only were starting Case Keenum over C.J. Stroud, but they were missing a ton of guys. I don't think they had Will Anderson Jr., right. who, like C.J. Stroud, is very much in the running for Rookie of the Year. Um, I think they were down one of their wide receivers, at least, and Tank Dale's been out all year. I'm going to say Houston, uh, probably picking with my heart here, but uh, I'm going to say that Joe Flacco, the interceptions catch up to him in a big way in this one. So um, let's move forward now to the Saturday night game uh, being hidden from the country on Peacock. (laughs) (laughs) Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins. 
So this game is going to be played in like zero degree temperatures. Yeah. It's the f- it's the fraud yeah. bowl. <laughs> it's which team that is supposedly yeah, one of good, one of many. Uh, but is uh, it honestly like we haven't talked so much about them? But I I like the Chiefs in this game. I mean, it's Arrowhead. There, it's Patrick Mahomes, and the Dolphins are so unbelievably injured. Uh, you know, I, I think yeah. it's it's just it's disappointing, really. Uh, that that's the situation because you'd love to see a full strength Dolphins uh, team go up in the Tyreek Hill revenge game, but I think that they're just that offense kind of just failed to show up. I mean, watching them play the Bills, I'm just sitting there scratching my head saying, "This this is the team that supposedly is able to drop 70 points on." Uh, I mean, everybody tracked the Denver. Broncos for that. But still, <laughs> to do 70 points with any uh, NFL team is is really impressive. And then now, I, I just I don't think it's it's something you can count on. So I'm taking the Chiefs at home. Yeah, the Dolphins are really fun to watch. But, man, I was so prepared to pick whoever the Chiefs were facing. I was so, I was so ready to do it, especially the Dolphins. Yeah, like they were a team that I – uh, definitely was considering um, earlier before we're at this point. But, man, the Dolphins, yeah, they're so banged up right now. And, yeah, their offense didn't look particularly great against Buffalo's defense, which isn't, like, bad, but it's not – I don't think it's super elite <laughs> by any means. And in a, in a kind of a pivotal game for the division. And um, yeah, to only score 14 points and not – I don't think they even scored in the second half uh, no, they didn't. of that game. And yeah, speaking of zero degree weather, yeah, it's Miami playing in that kind of weather. <laughs> dating back, I saw a stat dating back to 2017, they've played nine games in freezing weather. You know what their record is in that kind of weather? Oh, oh nine. And wow! Nine. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't won a game in freezing cold weather, which is not su- too surprising given who they are, where where they're from. But at the same time, like they don't have a single win dating dating back to then in, in that kind of weather. Like, oh man, that's I I was so ready to pick the other team, but I I've already just talked myself too much into just picking the Chiefs and yeah, even though I don't believe in their receivers whatsoever, um, and at some point it will catch up to them, it probably won't be this Saturday. I like to think it'll be more entertaining than what we saw at the London game, where it's like oh man, Chiefs Dolphins like because those are two of the or the Dolphins like they were. Uh, they were leading their division. They were like Chiefs Dolphins was a really high, highly anticipated matchup, and it kind of was a letdown. But at the same time, it was in London, so maybe the time change had a made a difference. And so I'd like to think this will be higher scoring, but at the same time, it's in zero degree weather, so maybe it'll just be kind of similar to what we saw in London, where it's kind of a slug, which sounds crazy with these two teams. But yeah, that's a long way of saying yeah. I'm I'm I am going to pick Kansas City. Yeah, I, I, I hate that these two teams are facing each other, especially in this weather. I think that these are two teams that have been very disappointing throughout the season. Like they're flashy, a lot of big names. Sorry, Kill comes yeah, back to Kansas City. It's a City. flashy matchup, but it's like but then you think about it, it's like, oh, you know what? This probably won't be, you know, super high flying offenses like all game and it won't be like a total shootout. Maybe it will be. Maybe, maybe I'm, I know, it's be always wrong, possible, but, like with yeah. these teams. But it's hard to but, imagine it happening in this these weather conditions. But the way they're the way the Chiefs' offense has been this year, the way Miami's offense has looked of late, not this right. year, but of late, and the weather. Uh, I don't know. It just 
I lay in Kansas City in sort of a slugfest. Um, for their standards, I mean. Um, so, yeah. And I just think Kansas City, even if they're not as great as other years, they definitely have way more experience in the playoffs. Yeah, in Week 17, Kansas City beat Jake Browning and the Bengals 25-17 to behind six Harrison Bucker field goals. I'm expecting something similar, a lot of field goals, maybe some touchdowns here and there, but I do think Kansas City is going to pull this out just because Arrowhead and zero-degree weather feels like a bad recipe for uh, an injured Dolphins team, but uh, definitely yeah, disappointed with how things played out in uh, you know, that final Sunday night game with this being the matchup here. So, so, so it looks like so we're all going Kansas City? Yep, I'll go in Kansas City, and uh, I'll be with... I'll be I'll be kind of mad at myself if Miami wins because I was so ready to pick the other team uh, for this matchup, and it's just yeah, it'll probably be the it'll probably be the Chiefs again. All right, so let's uh, move forward to Sunday, one o'clock. Buffalo Bills, Pittsburgh Steelers, two teams that fired their offensive coordinator midseason, won their final few games to end the year to make the playoffs and put themselves in this position. The largest point spread of the weekend. I think it's up to 10 at this point. So um, also looking at some weather, potential lake effects, snow conditions. What are you guys expecting from this one? Yeah, so I said slugfest for the other game. All right, like this is the actual slugfest probably um, with the over-under being much lower than the, the Chiefs-Dolphins game. So Chiefs-Dolphins will probably be a little bit, definitely will be higher scoring than this game. Um yeah, I'm gonna go Buffalo. Ten sounds pretty accurate. Like I don't, I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I think Buffalo should win. And if they don't, I will definitely be pissed. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, I think there's definitely small a small analysis, but yeah, yeah, I Buffalo. think there's definitely a chance that Josh Allen makes this game more interesting than it needs to be with some wild <laughs> exactly. interceptions. But I just feel like when you take you know, one of the best defensive, maybe the best defensive player in the whole league off of this defense. It's so, it's so disappointing. This is when you want to see the stars go head to head and not having TJ Watt, I think just really guts. Yeah, of, of, of all yeah. players right. on their yeah. team, the one guy you can't just, I think that really guts the, the Steelers pass rush. And I, I think if Buffs, if Buffalo takes care of business, they can, I think this is a, a win they should get. So I'm going to go Buffalo. Yeah, so I would say if the Steelers are playing the Chiefs, I would pick Pittsburgh no hesitation. I think that the the Steelers have been playing really good football lately, and the Chiefs haven't. You talked about Jake Browning. The Steelers beat the Bengals 34-11, and then the the Chiefs struggled with Jake Browning. Corey, it, when, you were, when we were texting each other on Sunday, yep. uh, you the it was before Sunday the Sunday night game and you were like this might sound crazy but I think I'd rather face the Chiefs um yeah <laughs> <laughs> obviously I'd, uh, I'd if I'm the Steelers I'd much rather face Kansas City sounds crazy than, in the sense of the, the, you know Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl chance but yeah I mean just with the way the season has played out so um let me kind of go through this here so the first thing TJ Watt I mean I I think that he is the best offensive player on the planet I know that Miles Garrett is really good at beating his offensive linemen and then just nothing happens but what TJ Watt does he's not just a pass rusher I mean he has he's able to make plays you know force fumbles fumble recoveries interceptions like he he's all over um he's an outside linebacker he's not just a pure edge rusher so it's definitely a big loss in past years when the Steelers don't have TJ Watt they're one in ten but 
in those years, his replacement has never been veteran Marcus Golden and rookie stud also from Wisconsin, Nick Herbig. And these are two guys who have played very well. So it's going to be a tough loss. But I think that as much as losing TJ Watt is going to hurt, I like these guys replacing him. Nick Herbig played two snaps against Seahawks. One of them was a strip sack to set up the game-winning field goal. And then Marcus Golden also had a big sack last week um, on Baltimore's final drive. I trust these guys, but I'm more happy with Minka Fitzpatrick and DeMonte Casey coming back for the Sealy secondary. I think that's going to be huge having those two. I don't know what the weather is going to be like. It feels like a kind of game where the run game is going to mean something. Najee Harris is coming off probably the two best games of his career, 200-yard rushing performances. Jalen Warren, I'm starting to have some questions about him. I think he's had some tough fumbling issues in the Baltimore uh, freezing rain. Hopefully that's not a problem, but I do think that could really be a big difference in this one. Turnovers, you know, being able to take care of the ball. Josh Allen can do some great things with the football. He can also do some really terrible things. And I've been saying for the past two years that the Bills season will end on a horrible Josh Allen turnover. Uh, There's certainly a scenario where, regardless of the weather, the Bills hand the Steelers a fourth straight playoff loss with 40-plus points, and it's like, oh, the goodwill that came from Mason Rudolph um, the last three weeks is just gone. And, you know, the Steelers are left like, all right, what just happened? Um, And, you know, one thing I told Brian last week, um, something that I, I had kind of this prediction in my head going into the season, but didn't really have a great time to bring it up in our previous segment because it never really made sense, was that I think this is finally year that a seven seed beats a two seed because we've seen it come close, including just last year, the two seed of Buffalo Bills against Skylar Thompson yes. and the Miami Dolphins in Buffalo. <laughs> it just, you know, almost didn't happen. Um, if I was a betting man, I would not necessarily put a lot of money on the Steelers to win. If I really had consequences, then I would just say Buffalo, like whatever. But I have no nothing to lose, so I'm going to call my shot here. Pittsburgh Steelers first seven seed. Josh Allen and the Bills have something horrible happen. You know, it's going to happen at some point. Why not on Sunday at Orchard Park against the Steelers? And, if you're uh, going to go on that long of an analysis, Corey, like you better yep. – pick your team <laughs> yeah right if you're gonna go say all that and just, uh but i'm still gonna go with buffalo i'm gonna blow out like <laughs> uh-huh. no and again like if it was the, if it was the chiefs it wouldn't have been like that long of a diatribe like yeah the chiefs suck Steelers better beat them and I, I will say i'm not just happy to be here this season's been frustrating i'm not glad that the Steelers just made the playoffs just for the sake of it because i do think this team needs some wholesale changes but if those changes were simply just Mason Rudolph plugging in at quarterback and you know like go out there win this game snap that losing streak go prove to the world Mike Tomlin that you're not just good at you know taking advantage of situations grinded out games uh, but you just barely get above 500 go win a huge playoff game go hand another team a loss the Steelers fans have you know we lost to the Broncos the Jaguars the Browns like go be that team for the Buffalo Bills that's what I'm hoping for and you know, you- I hate that the Steelers are in the playoffs, but I will say they they deserve to be in the playoffs more than Jacksonville. The way they played at the end of the end of the year, if if Jacksonville made it and they played the Browns, oh, the Browns, I I wouldn't have flip flop <laughs> between Browns and Texans. I, I would have just right. been a lock button. I also I, yeah. Uh, I yeah, would have picked the Browns I, and hated it, but yeah, I agree. I'm so glad that Jacksonville's not in uh, the Steelers. Yeah, I'm, gl- I'm Texans are playing the Cleveland. way the way Jacksonville was playing. I, I was rooting against them. Like when, when they were playing the Titans, I'm like. I don't want to see Buffalo miss and Pittsburgh and, and Jacksonville game. Like if, if it's just Pittsburgh, 
uh, in Jacksonville, Mississippi, I absolutely can live with that. Just the way they were playing. It, to go from 8-3, and three, to have a 99% chance of making the playoffs and then actually right. missing it. It's um, insane. Yeah, I know. Absolutely it, insane. Right. I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of questions. They fired their defensive coordinator, mostly their defensive staff. I know Jaguars fans really want Press Taylor gone. My For You page on Twitter is very messed up because of the Steelers and the Jaguars. I'm seeing way too much Jacksonville content. <laughs> and I know that they're they're like, what does this guy have on the owner? Like, I don't know what's going on there. But yeah, Jaguars, very, very long offseason ahead of them. A lot of questions that they need to have answered after how that season fell apart. Um, anyway, let's go move forward to the last three games here. Cowboys, Packers, Mike McCarthy taking on his former team. Um, go ahead with your picks here. All right, I'll go first. Man, I, I so want to pick the Packers. <laughs> it would just be so good uh, to pick them because um, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if Dallas just completely fell apart in an actual meaningful game. Um, I'll say, I'll say it's, I'll still pick Dallas, but I'll say it's an interesting seven, uh, two, two, seven seed matchup. Like where Green Bay's seven and a half underdogs, I, I'll say they cover and make it a real close game into the fourth quarter, uh, with the game on the line. Um, so I, that's not super hot take-ish since I'm still picking Dallas, but, uh, I don't know. I think Green Bay definitely has a shot, but I'm still going to go with Dallas. Listen, Corey, I uh, yeah, I kind of foresaw you potentially going with the first seven seed win on the AFC side, and I'm going to have to match you and go with the first seven oh, seed man. win on the <laughs> NFC side. I am not happy that the Green Bay Packers have found another franchise quarterback. It's just not fair. How come they always just have a quarterback? You know, I don't know what they did to deserve this, but I think they found a good one in Jordan Love. And I'm probably the last person on the planet to finally admit that uh, because he's been doing it for a while now this season. And I just didn't want to believe it just purely because I was like, they can't possibly do it again. <laughs> and right. That, and he's 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 elevating the team like Rogers did. Yes. Okay, no, like but I okay, want to say always he's, oh, he's Aaron Rodgers. It's, but th- th- look at their receivers. Right. It's Jaden Reed, but who's good? I I like Jaden Reed a lot. Still, right. But none of these guys were. But you got high freaking draft pick like, or, got like or d- big free right. agent signing. Bo Melton. Who the heck is right. that? <laughs> yeah, Dontavian Wicks. Dontavian right. Wicks. Yeah, Christian but, Watson hasn't been healthy all year. Yeah, and and they they're, they're still in the playoffs, and so and I I agree. It's like yeah. Jordan Jordan Love actually elevates that team. It's a long shot. <laughs> yeah. But looking at how the Cowboys have played in the playoffs the last two years, they always embarrass themselves on their way out in just the worst way. And I don't know. I think this could be the pinnacle. This could be their their uh you know the piece de resistance. This is the masterpiece that uh of like the Dak Prescott Cowboys era where they finally blow it in a way that nobody thought possible by losing to a seven. Can can I change my mind? Can I just can I just join <laughs> just Ben? Uh, yeah, I, I you know what? 180. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was already talk I was thinking about talking myself into it now that Ben's doing you know what? Me and Ben versus you, Corey. How about that? <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to stick we'll with the Dallas Packers. here. Yeah. We'll take the Packers. You take the Steelers. Yeah. No, I, I, there you go. And I, I can certainly see Green Bay pulling this off. And it, it just for no other reason than, like, you're right. Like, how are the Cowboys going to find a way to embarrass themselves in yeah, the playoffs? The, the Cowboys are better in pretty much every uh, way, shape, or form on yep. 
both sides, but yeah, <laughs> they could still they're, they're could. they'll still find a way to blow it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and Green Bay definitely is, especially Jordan Love. And yeah, Jordan Love he, has been great. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I was high on him when he was drafted. Kind of fell off of him as you saw him play when he clearly wasn't ready to be on the field. But I, I've been. On, oh wow! But they were so, be... but they were so patient with them, which right, they were. Which I credit it, it worked Green Bay. Out. Yeah, it worked out well. It's something you don't see a lot, especially in today's age, when like with quarterback contracts, the, the, the how second they suck, like we gotta find the next guy, we gotta right. get rid of him. And, right, they and I would, I probably would have pulled the trigger after that Kansas City game. Like, yeah, this guy sucks, get him out. Um, but no, they stuck with him, and I like that they traded Rodgers. Um, even even if it might have been a year too late, like they they've. Pulled the trigger and they moved on with their kind of like when Rodgers took over for for Favre. Yeah, very same like exactly. Yeah, okay. Brett Favre is beloved, right. uh, and he even went to he and, even went to the Jets. Like it's just the same yeah. thing. History repeating itself. Right. Just and now they're insane. both. And now they're yeah. both uh, not likable people <laughs> in general. If I, um, you know, I'll say like I think going back, it was week three where I first was the Jordan Love as a guy. That was after beating the Saints. If the Saints held on to that 17 nothing lead and didn't blow it, the Saints would be in the playoffs right now instead of the Packers. So uh, that game way back in week three proved to be super, super meaningful. So uh, I certainly would not be shocked if Jordan Love goes into Dallas and hands the Cowboys heartbreak, but the Cowboys are 8-0 at home this season, so I'm going to pick them in this one um continue to ride with them but also know <laughs> yeah that I easily blow up my <laughs> it's 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 look dallas definitely favored uh, um way more likely that they win but yeah you know what kind of like what you did Corey, the steelers yeah fuck Listen, it i'll join I'm ben. always preying on their downfall uh, so when i get an opportunity to even theoretically embarrass them i've gotta go for it so go they do fail in very comedic levels yeah so. right i mean ezekiel like the maple leaves of football yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and doing a qb uh draw uh, without a timeout uh, to yeah. run the clock out and lose right. the game. amazing yeah most overpaid center in the entire <laughs> league ezekiel <laughs> <laughs> all right now let's move on to the sunday night game the huge clash the return Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff going up against each other. Personally, this is a game I'm most excited about. This is the one that I think of all the games that I'm flip-flopping on. This is probably the one where I'm like, I can see either of these teams winning. I can see either of these teams going on a run. Let's lock in our picks, though. Yeah, the Lions, man. They they could easily be in the NFC Championship game versus the Niners, let's be honest, Uh, (laughs) and maybe have a shot at the Super Bowl run, but they could also lose in the first round and... I mean, I, I will root for the Lions, no doubt, but I'm going to pick the Rams. Uh, it, I think the, the way Rams have ended this season, I've definitely taken them more seriously, uh, especially offensively. And I think that's going to create a lot of problems for Detroit's defense. I think this will be the highest scoring game. I don't think that's debatable. No, I think it's debatable, but yeah. I, I I would pick that game as the highest scoring game. I think there'll be a Being lot. Being played of, in a dome definitely helps compared to that, some of the other that outdoor too, matches. For sure. And... I think not having Laporta for the Lions is going to hurt a little bit. And you want to know something crazy? The three versus six seed in the NFC, the last six years, the six seed has won. <laughs> That's not Pretty a joke either. The, yeah. the Falcons beat the Rams. And and then, let's see, in the uh, 20, 20, uh, what is it, 2019. 2018. 2019 Vikings beat the Saints. I think you skipped a year, though. I did? No, Vikings beat the Saints in 2020. 
Oh, okay. In January 2020. Yeah. 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 The, the 2020 playoffs is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Or 2019 playoffs, but the year 2020. Yep. Um, and then we saw the, last year the Vikings, they beat the, or the Vikings, lost they the lost the to the Giants. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I, I know I'm all over the place, but it is, <laughs> they are, the, the three seed is 0 and 6 the in the last six years. Yeah. Yeah. Rams beat the Seahawks in the, the COVID year. Mm-hmm. It, it's so and it, just, it just keeps. Eagles beat the Bears, the double doink game. Oh, the double doink. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Corey. Yeah. So the, the six seed over three seed, the, the three seed in the NFC is just cursed <laughs> in the playoffs. Yeah, apparently. So I didn't. I didn't occur to me that it'd been that long. Yeah, and I was aware of that trend even last year when the. But I still picked the Vikings because I'm like I'm not gonna pick the Giants <laughs> to win a playoff game, and it's and they still won. Uh, so, yeah, it's just there's some there, the writing is on the wall. I feel like where I I just think the Lions as as great as it's been, I could just totally see an upset. That is a. If you want to that call is it a that. really like uh, honestly convincing argument. If there's a team that's cursed, it's the Lions. It I yeah. I could yes. not believe. I mean, it's been talked to enough, uh, talked about enough. So we don't need to go over that missed call by the refs or, or bad call by the refs. But despite all that, I'm taking the Lions here. I love the young upstart Rams. I think it's really cool that they're. I mean, as much as I hate the Rams, I love that they're able to find these kind of diamonds in the roughs. I love Puka Nakua. I think he's a really cool guy, and it's been awesome to see his ascension this season. But I, uh, I think that the the Lions, for all the curses and all the bad luck, they're they're on a war path. They've been Dan Campbell's got that dog in him, and he's been building uh, a different culture out there. And I believe in that culture. And part of me just wants to see the Lions win a playoff game just to see if it's possible, if it can happen. So, see, I'm I'm picking the Packers and Rams, but man, how cool would it be to see Cowboys Lions after yeah, what happened rematch. in week 17 right. and just a rematch? Like, Oh, like that would be a highly anticipated game. No doubt. Yeah. So, so I'm taking lions. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'll stick with Rams. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I'm such, such a 50, 50 game to me because I think these teams are very similar in a lot of ways. I do think that the offenses can do a lot. Um, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but the tiebreaker just feels like the Lions are cursed and they're destined to lose to their first home game and first home playoff game in 30 years to their former quarterback, Matthew Stafford. Uh, one thing I'll say, though, I think I had always thought it was like, oh, imagine being Lions fans having to go up against this. I think it would be so much worse if they were to, instead of losing to Matthew Stafford, lost to Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. Like, Rogers finally gone. Like, you're finally take over the division, and then you lose to the new guy anyway. Um, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's I think a that, good point. Yeah. Right. I think they should be feeling good that the Rams uh, beat the Niners with Carson Wentz. Um, although, again, it's it's going to be bad either way. So, definitely hope for Lions fans' sake they pull out this game. All right. And then the final game of the weekend the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you know, what a Eagles. wretched game this is. <laughs> <laughs> this is this not is a good game. Super wild card weekend. Uh, yeah. With the with the look, the Eagles, if they were playing any other team, <laughs> like maybe I'd pick the other team, but I I look I didn't I look the Bucks, they'll probably score still, just given how bad the Eagles defense is, but it's not like the Bucks' offense has been great. Like you said, Corey, the last two games were not good for them. They were getting shut out by the Saints for most of that game. And then, great, they beat the Panthers. They didn't score a touchdown. <laughs> Three field and goals. Nine-nothing. Uh, and it could have been closer if DJ Chark could just hold on to the ball uh, for one yard longer. 
because he fumbled at the one yard line instead of scoring a touchdown. And so that could have been a game. And as bad as the Eagles are right now, losing to all these, the good teams, but now bad teams, like losing the Cardinals and the Giants now, as bad as it is, uh, I, I, I'll still pick Philly um, as the team that wins this game. I just want to point out that the Eagles were the best team in the NFC until the Niners broke them. So I've, I'm, I'm very happy to see their downfall. And in a similar fashion to the Cowboys, I don't know if I'm going to be right about both of these, but I feel like I'm going to be right about at least one. I think they're going to top their embarrassments because they've had a long series of embarrassments here uh, with one final embarrassment, which is losing in the first round to the Buccaneers. And it's going to be an ugly game where nobody can score any points and they barely get beat by some low you know, amount of points, like seven to nine or something. And uh, the Buccaneers <laughs> uh-huh. barely a swashbuckle their way past the Eagles and the Eagles just completely collapse in on themselves uh, after you know one final embarrassment. I'm convinced I'm going to get all these games wrong, but especially the, I picked the road team in all the NFC games. Uh, so uh, the Eagles could still get a home playoff game. They could. <laughs> I know, right? If, if, if all if of that, your predictions if holds, are right. If that prediction's yeah. right, Eagles they host can still Rams. play at home in the playoffs. Right, which uh, is crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to pick the Bucks in this spot. It's just, I think both of these teams have a lot of question marks, but the Eagles, oh, Bumani Jones, I think he put it perfectly with the tweet. He said the Eagles feel like a team that would skip their bowl game. <laughs> so I think that, I think that they're, they're checked out. I think they all hate the coaches. AJ Brown feels like he's starting to get very volatile. He's also dealing with an injury. Devontae Smith is injured. Oh, that's I, I another thing. Think... The Eagles are just limping their way to right. the, the playoffs right now. And, I did not have a convincing argument. All it no, is, I they're get playing it. Tampa, right. and I think they suck. That's literally uh, my argument. <laughs> yeah, I right. I think I, both of these teams suck right now, and I'm. I, I think that the tiebreaker is I'd rather see the Bucks win. Um, I want the Eagles to be I'd ra- done. Yeah, I I hate the Eagles, but I'd rather see them win just because I just think they're a better. This is not even debatable. Like they're a better they're, football. They have market a higher than, ceiling. Yeah, well, and just, higher oh, ceiling, but in better uh-huh. football market than. Tampa, yeah. like Tampa, it was like oh, when Tom fair. Brady was there, everything was great. But now, right. it's, now he's not. It's kind of whatever. Which would be great if you know the Baker Mayfield does what Brady couldn't do last year and win a <laughs> win a playoff game versus an NFC East opponent uh-huh. uh, on Monday night. Yeah. 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 So, all right, that'll do it for our Super Wild Card Weekend predictions. Real quickly here, Super Bowl picks. Who you guys got, Benjamin? You riding with your 49ers? I absolutely am, of course. So against, I'll give you I'll give you my wait, playoff. Oh, sorry. Oh. You don't need to go through the whole no, playoffs. Let's do the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. I'm riding yeah. with the 49ers and I'm I'm picking them. I think the Ravens are gonna make it there. I think the whole uh colors of the Super Bowl logo right. uh, you know thing is real. Uh, of course the NFL script is also real, and uh, I think the 49ers are gonna come out on top over uh the Ravens, avenging the Christmas Day loss and also the twenty twelve Super Bowl loss. Yeah, I also have Niners Ravens um, chalky pick, but again, Super Bowl logo. It's it's meant to be, and uh, I I need yeah. to look at the logo again to see which team is going to win because of that. <laughs> I don't know if it matters which side the, the colors are on, but yeah, I'm just going to um, say Niners Ravens. Yeah, so Niners for me in the NFC, no doubt. Uh, AFC. So we you guys are talking about the Super Bowl logo being purple. 
Doesn't red and blue make purple? <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cop out, I know. But I'll go with Buffalo instead of Baltimore. Just be a little bit different, but I don't know. Just I I, I just want to be different a little bit, but also, I don't know. I, I think the Bills are starting to turn things around, which probably be just in time for them to blow it, but <laughs> but uh, uh, that's all I'll go with. And do we pick winners too? Yeah, I mean, once it gets there. It's, I mean, there's I, no, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'll say mine. There's no freaking way I would pick the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. it's, and then factoring in the Madden cover curse too. Like there's no way. So right. yeah, the Niners are my choice uh, to win the Super Bowl too. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll just make it a queen sleep, clean sweep for the Niners simply because I'd root for the Niners over the Ravens, the Super Bowl, no doubt. Uh, but you know, it, it is after seeing that game in Santa Clara, couple weeks ago definitely don't feel as good as i thought i would about san francisco beating baltimore so um that being said uh let's kind of table playoff talk um and let's talk about teams who are not in the playoffs who have head coach openings so during the season the raiders fired josh mcdaniels the panthers fired frank reich the chargers fired brandon saley commander is not very surprising to let go of ron rivera falcons by the end, not surprising, they let go of Arthur Smith. Uh, Mike Vrabel being fired by the Titans, I think that definitely caught off some people off guard, um, despite some speculation about that potentially happening. And then a big news that happened today before recording, your rival Seattle Seahawks and Pete Carroll are parting ways from head coaching, questions about what's really happening there. Sounds like he might remain his advisor. Regardless, he will no longer be on the sidelines um, coaching the Seattle Seahawks. But he, he, Yeah, so, can we start there? Because uh, can you guys explain yeah. to me what's going on there? Because to, to me, what it sounded like, it was you know like a metaphor for this would be like Pete Carroll wants to keep driving, but his family has like agreed that he's not allowed to drive anymore, but he will be in the passenger seat when he gets driven around. <laughs> he still gets to decide where they go and he gets to sit up front, uh-huh. but he's no longer allowed to drive. And I, I, it does feel like a good analogy. Is that what's happening though? Or does he actually want to I, not coach anymore? What's going on? I think that's what's happening because I think just <laughs> yesterday or maybe Monday night, there were reports saying that Pete Carroll was not retiring. He was going to come back, planning on being the Seahawks head coach. Like, all right, yeah, sounds good. And now you get the news come out that he is no longer going to be the head coach. So it feels like this was the organization did that. They didn't want to just straight up fire him. They said, look, you're just going to stick with the team, move upstairs, some front office role, be an advisor for us, but we're going to have a younger head coach. So he's going to be in the passenger seat with MapQuest yes. on or something? <laughs> <laughs> or an old-fashioned map? Or like a, a toy yeah, probably. wheel where he can pretend. Uh, he's going to be like a driving instructor. <laughs> you got to watch out for that yeah. light over there. You can, you, yep. To, uh, uh, ten two. Make sure you keep your hands on the wheel like ten two. I don't know. I'm just all over the place. It's now, like no, but... no, no. Uh, you know, Coach Carroll. The new thing is to put your hand on the top and leave it on the gear shift. Like you don't need ten and two anymore. Like you're past your time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I think that that is uh, that that's essentially what's happening here is that the Seahawks are politely asking him to no longer be the head coach, but don't want to sever ties completely. Um, he had a press conference where he showed he's so lively. It's hard to believe that he's the oldest head coach in the league because he does. He looks good for, yeah. for like 70, 73. Yeah. It's keeping him so young. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I think to me, that is the, the biggest story here in terms of the, the 
coaches parting ways um definitely a bit of a shocker but it's also one that was like it felt kind of like for years now okay what's gonna happen in seattle like they've been stuck in this rut long way from those super bowl teams Uh, they haven't even been back to an nfc championship game and of course missed the playoffs entirely this year so i'm not I'm not totally surprised that they decided to move on. It's just I just figured Pete Carroll was going to retire. I didn't think that it would be this, you know, the way that this, this is played weird. Out. I don't, I don't get it. Right. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it was time, even though he still looks good for his age. He is now getting up there, and 14 seasons definitely a long time. And uh, I don't know. The Seahawks were kind of disappointing this year. Maybe I overrated them, but. They should have been a playoff team, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think me. they should have been better than last year, and they yeah, were they, the exact yeah, same. Last year, they lose their quarterback, and and they th- I th- I thought they were gonna suck, but they end up being a playoff team, and it's like, all right, like they're gonna build on that. And not that Geno Smith was gonna be a long term answer, but I thought he wouldn't. I don't know, improve or or just at least do kind of what he did last year to this year, especially adding. Uh, JSN to that offense too, along with Lockett, Metcalf, and uh, Kenneth Walker already. And they drafted. They they had Denver's pick, and they so they they got to add a top corner in the draft too. And I don't know. I I mean, I definitely overrated them, but I I still thought they should have been a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a very disappointing season in Seattle. I mean, overall, they took a step back. I, now, the uh, first question has to be, you know, do they just continue to ride with Geno Smith? I know the contract they signed him to, they're able to get out of it. So, uh, but they also, I, I don't know what you would do at that point uh, because it's not like they're going to be in, like, the greatest position to be able to draft a quarterback early. So, uh, that's a really, a yeah, it's, a, it's really like, tough because, yeah, they're not in the position to draft at least – one of those top quarterbacks, unless if they make some crazy trade, right? But yeah, Gino wasn't he wasn't he wasn't terrible, but he really wasn't that great this year compared to what he did last year. And I know the expectations factor in because you didn't expect a lot from him last year, but and then you expected uh, much better results, or you had higher expectations entering this year than you did last year for him yes. and the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, and he was also being paid way more. And that that's something that also has to be a factor here. I don't think he had a bad season necessarily. I just don't know if he's justifying his contract there. No, I don't, I don't think he is or was. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I would want to move on, but at the same time, like, what is that answer? Uh, if right. you if you do replace him, like, I don't know, Drew Lock. <laughs> you want to go through that again? Uh, I mean, right. he, he did have a great sweet two minute drivers Philly. But other than that, not a lot to it, like. It, was it just time for him to go because he's old? Like. The, the Seahawks still showed some – I mean, they're over 500. You know, if the, they'd have the same record as the Packers. Like, I I, I don't – you know, there, there's ups and downs for NFL teams. Your roster turns over. Other teams become better. You know, the, the Seahawks, for a moment there, looked like they could have beaten the Niners in the playoffs last year, uh, you know, going into halftime. I, I just don't – Maybe I just don't know what it takes to, to decide it's time to move on. I mean, yeah, like again, the playoffs. I mean, I mean they're not even off. totally moving on. He's not the coach, and he's. I don't. Know, it's kind of like a Tom Coughlin kind of thing. Where well, I, I know Tom Coughlin, he was he went to Jacksonville right. instead of was he in New York still, Corey? He, he retired went, from the Giants. He, he retired from the Giants, but then he yeah. was an advisor. With I thought he went to right? Jacksonville. Yeah, I don't think he stayed with the Giants. I think he became. Yeah, he went. To, he went to Jacksonville. Okay, so, mm-hmm. so it's not total great comparison, but 
don't know. Like that, that that was a sharp coach that was older and then went to an advisory kind of role uh, after coaching. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the age is a, a factor here. I'm sure the Seahawks that, are like, look, like when is it going to get better at this point? I so. That's really it. Because the, the Seahawks, are, even though they missed the playoffs and were a little disappointing, they're, they were still pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, I just think age is really the biggest factor. And it's like, how is – like, what's the – what what does it look like in the long term future um, with with him at head coach if he's approaching mid seventies to late seventies and and all that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to move on and talk about Mike Vrabel now? I mean, do you want him to to come to New England? Bill Belichick's still there. Like, what are your thoughts on that whole situation? Yeah, I, I obviously I I want to move on. I I I hate some Patriots media and Patriots fans saying. No, like another year, another year. Uh, like, see what we got in the the next quarterback, and 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 uh, and keep Bill. Like, no, like this is worse than ever uh, for for the Patriots right now, and it's now year four uh, after Brady, and things have not have gotten better. Things have gotten so much worse uh, uh, ever since he's ever since they lost Brady uh, to. You know, not paying him, and and now, uh, yeah, now now we suck. And I, I would like to move on. And Vrabel would be a good option for sure. I mean, some of those Titans teams had no business being as good as they were. They made it to all the way to the AFC Championship game versus Kansas City, and they were competitive in the fourth quarter that one year where they were a six seed and had freaking Tannehill as their quarterback, and right. even and made it were, as a one seed. Another yeah, they're one seed. The most That's, players injured in NFL and I, history. And I know that when it comes to the Titans, like they, they haven't had a, they haven't been very good the last couple of years. But I think Mike Vrabel, his tenure in Tennessee was a success. Not every coach is going to win six Super Bowls. <laughs> <laughs> I think people need to get through that through their head that like, oh, if you don't win, you know, that many Super Bowls, like it's it's a fail. Like no, uh, his tenure in Tennessee was a success, and even though he it didn't end great, uh, and I think he's proven for sure that he can absolutely coach in the league. And, you know, one thing I will say, he's a defensive-minded coach, of course, being a defensive player, and a lot of the best coaches in the league now, like Shanahan, McVay, McDaniel, they're all innovators, they're all offensive-minded, sharp head coaches, and so I guess that's one negative, uh, you know, in terms of Rabel, but guy is a a leader, commands the room, um, players respect him, and obviously has ties in New England, and so I think it'd be a I would be for it for sure. Like that'd probably be my choice, honestly. And looking at the the ownership's point of view, because even though I would want an innovator, innovative kind of offensive minded coach, the way the the league has moved in terms of uh being more offensive minded, looking at the craft's point of view, it's like, hey, like this is the guy that we'd want. Someone that uh, has ties in New England, someone that we're comfortable with, someone that we don't have to pay <laughs> right. because they don't want to pay anybody. <laughs> and Mike Vrabel would be paid by Tennessee. So, yeah, I I would talk myself into Vrabel uh, for sure. I didn't see the Vrabel uh, firing uh, get coming, but in retrospect, it only makes perfect sense. This Titans organization loves to great get rid of these great assets and get basically nothing in return. So, uh, you know, I, I think this was just a matter of time before they did that. I yeah. another thing. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> uh, one thing to mention though that 
might not be a good fit for the Patriots and Vrabel. Remember when AJ Brown got traded uh, to from mm-hmm. the Titans to the Eagles, and how much that kind of sucked for Tennessee? Like speaking of, like what you said, Ben, just getting rid of uh, just great assets uh, and yeah, I think, just I think having that's your what team you were be yeah significantly <laughs> worse. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, I don't think Vrabel had anything to do with that. I think that was. No. Kind of on the GM and ownership, and that's why G- the, why the GM, GM got, was fired. Was fired yeah. that year, and I don't, I don't uh, think Vrabel was for that move, and that's kind of what it is in New England. Where okay, great, we all have we have these great players, and all of a sudden, when it comes time to pay them, they don't, and that, that's kind of like t- Tennessee. Like they're cheap, but the New England New England Patriots are like one of the lowest cash spending teams in the league, and they're just as cheap as Tennessee. And so I don't know if Vrabel would want to be part of a team that doesn't spend on high talent sorry no, you're good no i think that kind <laughs> of goes along long. with what i was saying i mean uh derrick henry possibly going somewhere else and i mean you could say what you want about running backs as they age but i still think derrick henry is one of the best running backs in the league and uh hasn't shown any signs of falling off completely the way running backs have all eventually do so yeah, I just I think this is for I'm just trashing the Titans organization. Honestly, I think that they're poorly run, and I think his name is Rand Carthon, the GM there now. Yeah, from the Niners front office, and maybe they just want to go full in on trying to be the next team that takes a front office Niners person and turns their whole franchises around instantly. So maybe it's a move in the right well, direction, I guess, if they're trying to blow the whole thing up. But I don't know. Vrabel is a good coach. Yeah, so I'm not surprised with the the teams, the idea of the teams mutually parting ways. That Tennessee being like, look, the past two seasons haven't been great. Like, and Vrabel being like, yeah, this has sucked. Like, I'm tired of this. I want to go somewhere else. Um, him being straight up fired definitely caught me off guard. Um, I understand the Titans being like, let's fire him instead of trying to work out a trade because it is complicated. It's not something that just happens. Like, it's not like a player trade where it just happens. Like, there's so much that goes into it. The team that would trade for him would need to interview other candidates to satisfy the Rooney rule. Him and Vrabel, like Vrabel and the team would have to agree to all this stuff. It, it feels like it's so you, much easier to do with It's just a long a, process. You want to move right. on as quick. If you're going to make the move, even if uh-huh. I don't like the move for them, because I think Vrabel right. is a good coach. If you're going to make the move, do it now. Yeah, and then you're blocking yourself from being able to pursue other candidates while you're waiting for all of the other teams' processes to play out. So I understand it from that perspective. Um, I don't know if you guys saw Ian Rappaport. He had a report on NFL Network. Um, I kind of just passed over it, but then I, I was drawn back into the video. Uh, apparently, it's not Carthon who fired Vrabel. It came directly from the owner. And I don't know how true this is, but apparently they're not a fan of the way that Frabel reacted uh, during his Patriots Hall of Honor, whatever, yep. induction I, ceremony. I, I heard about that, where he talked glowingly about the his time with New England and how well run of an organization it is and it's not the same in other places oh, <laughs> and rather you, you could probably and they probably took that as like hey they don't think uh, highly of uh, us in tennessee where it's right. not uh, as great as it is there so uh yeah, yeah and I, then i think i, I buy yeah, that report and instantly prove him right <laughs> Like, oh no, yeah, no. He, it, I think it's very fair. Yes, like I think that is probably uh, kind of at the root of this. And yeah, it's it's a bad organization. Like we've seen this team. You know, they they have very few highs. Like they got to that Super Bowl in 1999, a yard and a half short, and have not 
come super close to that. That one AFC Championship game loss um, a few years back. But, yeah, I mean, I think for Tennessee, it, at this point, they're going to be going down before they go back up again. Because yeah, Rabel that... is a great coach. He's a great leader of men. He's someone who has been able to inspire this team. But they've also been frustrating. That feels like they always lose in their favorite and win when they're an underdog. They're just this perpetually, like, 500-ish team. But... They, you know, occasionally end up with a really solid winning season like that twelve and five team in twenty twenty one. Yeah, it's it's going downhill for them now because the AFC South is actually kind of good now. Yeah, uh, with with Stroud with Houston, they're definitely on the rise. And I'd like to believe Anthony Richardson when he comes back. The Colts almost made the playoffs there. With Gardner Minshew. Uh, yeah, if uh, that fifth string running back could catch the ball <laughs> uh, <laughs> they might have had a shot of winning that game and they'd be in the playoffs and so if you got Richardson back they could make some noise next year and then I know Jacksonville was really disappointing this year but they're still a pretty solid team so those are all three teams that are going to have around or better 500 records yeah and I don't see no, Tennessee I, I, being in that conversation right. for the time being <laughs> yep yeah, definitely, you know, gives them opportunities if they're bad and selecting on the top of the draft, but it's certainly a, a tough spot for a, a new head coach to be walking into. I guess just real quickly here, Brian, um, you want to say your thoughts on Arthur Smith and the Falcons? Oh, thank God. Thank <laughs> God. Oh, it was about time uh, for that for that effing guy to go. Him, uh, you guys, I'm maybe I know, Corey, maybe you did, Benjamin, too. So, yeah, at the end of that... Falcons Saints game with a second left, the Saints running in with Jamal Williams for a touchdown, even though they're supposed to knee it. And hey, I think I think the opposing coach has a right to be pissed off, no doubt about it. But because it's Arthur Smith, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> I will fully admit that it's wrong to think that way. But guess what? Because it's him, I don't care. Uh, at least the other team knows how to score and knows how to involve their best players for sure. And yeah, uh, I and many others took a lot of joy in hearing the news that he was gone. And look, we're in the year 2024, which means that there'll be an election year uh, this year. And there are going to be a lot of insufferable ads on we can't have Biden for president because he did this. He did that. Vote for me. <laughs> they'll they'll just shit on the other candidate and say vote for me. There's not a lot of unity in that. You know what? There's a lot of unity in though Arthur Smith being fired. <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen more unity in this country than seeing Arthur Smith being fired from his job. And every uh, every Falcons fan and uh, any every anyone that remotely player. likes fantasy football yeah. uh, can take joy in him being fired. So. Uh, See ya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love. Yeah. I like that take though. That that it really cuts through, uh, and and it just comes across honestly. Because I agree, if a team is in victory formation, I think it's like a sportsmanship thing to be like, hey, you don't have to try on this play. Because you've seen it sometimes. The the losing team on the other side that's on defense will like ram into the offensive lineman or like dive at the oh, ball. Oh yeah, Greg Schiano. Yeah. And you're like, uh -huh. dude, chill. Okay, you're not gonna win the game right. on this play. That where we're kneeling it, okay? Like, chill out. Let let us do victory formation. Don't we could be running it up on you? But that goes both ways, and you don't like to see a fake kneel. It's a, it's a play I wish I had in Madden because there's times where I'm destroying the computer <laughs> by sixty points, and I'm like, <laughs> uh, Lord, if I did a fake kneel, you know, it's not even an option. But 
but the truth that Brian is really revealing to us all is that we all hate Arthur Smith. So if this had to happen to anybody, <laughs> it's good that uh, it happened to him. <laughs> yeah, total Bush League play, but because it's Arthur Smith. Yes, yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you Jameis Winston. <laughs> the gift that keeps yeah. on giving is Jameis Winston oh, in the NFL. Yep. <laughs> uh. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand like uh, some of the people being like, oh, Jameis should be cut, whatever, for that. But I, I hope it doesn't happen because I think it's just a player looking out for players, and it's, it's a one-off situation at the end of the year trying to get Jamal Williams a touchdown. So, did he have any like incentives um, or something? Like, did that touchdown earn him money? No, he didn't score a touchdown all year. Yeah. So After just scoring twenty last yeah, but that's year, that's a total nerf ball <laughs> touchdown. You know, like that. They that'd be the same thing yeah, as I like know. handing it off to him. And everyone like pretending to block and like yeah, oh, like in a yeah, spring like, game. Oh yes, he <laughs> scored. You know, I think that's that's uh, embarrassing for Jamal Williams, honestly. Um, but only as embarrassing. At, until the point where you realize he's doing it against Arthur Smith and you're like, Oh, epic troll right. Jamal Smith. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they went seven and 10 every year. He was there and they took, uh, a op- offensive weapon in the top 10 every single year in Pitts, uh, Drake London and Bijan and, and all three of them like haven't really lived up. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're in the offense that they're in. And yeah, just underutilized. A, a super underutilized. With a terrible quarterback, yeah. Yeah, with yeah, exactly. But I still I there there was a play this year where they're at the one yard line. You think, oh, Bijan's gonna run in. No, let's toss it to Janu Smith and then he's gonna throw it to Michael Pruitt. That 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 was the microcosm of the uh, Arthur Smith <laughs> offense. Was being at the one yard line and not involving uh, anyone <laughs> like they're, none of their three best uh, options on offense or the quarterback <laughs> let's involve the t- let's yeah. involve the second tight end throwing a pass to the third tight end <laughs> yeah two guys not on fantasy teams so drove that's a, me crazy emphasis there. yeah so i guess real real quickly here brian we talked about mike vrabel Arthur Smith was his OC in Tennessee. Oh, then, then, then I'm out. <laughs> if, if Mike, if Mike Vrabel is the head coach, but Arthur Smith is uh-huh. the 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 OC, I'm out. I'm okay, out. that's what I figured. Um, I <laughs> just thought I had to throw that out there. So, I will um, say he was successful in Tennessee, but you know what Tennessee had? They had um, a freak of nature at running. Oh back. yeah, <laughs> right. So. Yeah. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they had Derrick Henry. And no, I agree. I think yeah. Derrick Henry was the big thing that made Tennessee as, as successful as they are. Um, or yeah, were, the, literally Tom Brady's last game of a New, as a New England Patriot, you knew what Tennessee was going to do, and you still couldn't stop it. Uh, no, so, he, he was unstoppable. Yeah, so. so a lot of that has to do with Derrick Henry. <laughs> yep. All right, so real quickly, seven head coach openings as of now. Certainly possible more could open. Um, best job, worst job? Oh man, I I don't know. <laughs> like okay. I look at all of them, and I I don't I don't love particularly any of them. With I already talked about how okay the Patriots, yeah, like the they're in the running for a new quarterback, but it, like the Crafts, like. They're one of the lowest cash spending teams in the league, and then job is also not open as of now. Oh, so. yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, if it's uh, you just asked like, what's the best uh, opening? And I just went with a team that uh, <laughs> I start off my analysis with a team that's not even open. Um, uh, Seattle, I don't like the spot that they're in right now, but they and then Metcalf, Lockett, and Kenneth Walker. It's a great offense, but quarterback is 
question. The Chargers, I guess I'll say them because I think Brand Steely is such a moron that. And look, the Chargers—they're cursed. They're—they're going to find a way to lose no matter what. But that's a team that should not be five and twelve. Um, and if they just had, I kind of wanted Sean Payton to go there, but you know what? He kind of was a dick this year to Russell Wilson yeah, to the point where, was... like, you know what? It probably wouldn't have worked out, and it probably was more about Drew Brees there um, when he, when he was with New Orleans, but. I, I don't know. I just think if, if they put who's the who's the Lions coach? Uh, uh, not Johnson. coach uh, Ben Johnson, offensive yeah, coordinator. O-O-C. Really sharp offensive mind. The Lions' offense is awesome to watch, and uh, I'm not gonna say uh, Jared Goff is like a total sidecar on being there. Like he's definitely he's definitely played really well, and uh, I de- I definitely have believed in him more as a Detroit Lion quarterback for sure. But I like to think a lot of their success. Um, is not just on Goff and Amon Ra and Gibbs and all that. I, I think part of it also has to do with uh, how well uh, Ben Johnson has done as, uh, as their OC for the past couple of seasons. And and maybe if they get a sharp offensive mind coach to pair with Justin Herbert, you know, because Justin Herbert's had Anthony Lynn and freaking Brandon Staley as his co- head coaches. Uh, I, I think the Chargers' job is really appealing. Yeah, I agree. I think the Chargers job is probably the most appealing because you have Justin Herbert. That's, I mean, he's proven he's a great quarterback and you're not really going to get that necessarily guaranteed with anybody else out here. And uh, so I think that I've actually, I had a pretty, uh, I don't know, convincing argument uh, argued in my direction by one of my coworkers today saying that that's where Jim Harbaugh should go. Uh, is, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, he's oh, heavily I would, connected yeah. to that. I would love it <laughs> if, if 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 Jim Harper goes there, then like I'll I'll uh I'll have some horrendous Chargers taken. <laughs> but <laughs> but I would have loved for him to go to the Bears, but then Eberflus, yeah, still he's there. sticking I around. Hate they that. fired their OC. He'd have been a great fit there too, because Harbaugh when he was with the Niners, like they're a great running team. They had a great defense, and the Bears, mm-hmm. if they had with Fields and their running game. With Harbaugh as their head coach, along with the defense, I, I don't know. The Bears, could, they were. I know they were yeah, pretty they, good, so maybe that's why Eberflus is still there. But right, because how good the defense was, you know, they they got better down the stretch. I know a lot of Bears fans are upset with it. I think they're at least happy that the OC is gone, but I know that they definitely were hoping for a new head coach. Yeah, um, so maybe Eberflus is not as bad as I thought, but. I'd still so much rather have Jim Harbaugh as the head coach. Yeah, and it would have yeah. been awesome if there's an opportunity there because Jim Harbaugh played for the Bears for a while. So right. that yeah. I mean he did. go to Michigan, he played quarterback there, win a championship with them, go to the Bears, win the Super Bowl with them, just get, get maybe after that he can go to the Colts and then win a Super Bowl with them. But um I, I do agree that I think the Chargers are the best opportunity out there. But I I'll go with my second pick. I don't know if there there'll be a consensus on this. But I think the Commanders are actually the second that was, best. Yeah, option. my top two were Chargers. Well, and the thing is, so. I very much believe that if you are playing football for a bad organization, you're going to have a tough time. It genuinely matters if your organization cares about winning. And the Commanders have right. been one of the most tumultuous owner like ownership <laughs> in football, but it's new ownership now, and I think they're in a position for the right coach to come in draft his guy with the number two pick and then plug him into an offense that has weapons already. And even though they did kind of just gut their D line, sending uh, two 
very good pass rushers to the Bears and the Niners with um, uh, Montez Chase, Sweat Chase and, and Chase Young. Yeah, Montez uh, Sweat. You know, yeah. respectively. But you have extra draft capital. Um, I haven't actually looked at their money situation, but potentially you could go out and sign your own guys. I just feel like they're primed for a good organizational kind of coach to come in there and start turning things around quickly. Right. Yep. I agree. New ownership. It changes things. So Josh Harris, Magic Johnson, everyone else involved in that. I I think that it makes it appealing on top of having the second overall pick, meaning if you want Drake may he's yours. And uh, yeah, I think that the the commanders are are very appealing. You know, chargers have the quarterback, but of course, you know, they're a cursed organization. Harbaugh, he feels like he's the guy that that team needs to bring in. Um, but yeah, the commanders, I think they can go a lot of different directions. I do think it is shocking to say, but I do think that is one of the (laughs) best head coach openings, if not the best. That's a great answer. Do you guys think that the Raiders (laughs) should be considered an opening? Like not because literally it is. I don't. I, yeah, right. I think that the Raiders should just promote Antonio Pierce. I think that this is a team that like, they, they love playing for the guy. I think he's been very successful, but he's already like teams are saying, Oh, we're interested in him as DC Titans are even interviewing him or requested an interview yeah, him for head coach. Good. So. good. Yeah. Right. It sounds I mean, like Antonio Pierce will get a head coaching job, whether it's in Las Vegas, Tennessee or wherever. And yeah, or he I think could do the Giants it. DC go back to, you know, he played there, but right. I do I agree. Know, I, yes. I, I think I don't he deserves it. I liked how the Raiders played. Uh, maybe it's just the fact that they didn't have McDaniels. Maybe that's why they were playing so well. Is because like, oh, we finally don't have to play for this guy anymore. We get to play for just somebody else. But no, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, the Raiders looked good in in uh, some of these games, and some of them were against shit teams like the chargers where they were up by like 42 nothing at the end of the half or something crazy yeah. then they uh, beat the, the chiefs on and christmas the chief, no the chief, the christmas win versus the chiefs that even though the chiefs again are not the same that's still an impressive road win yep yep so um the worst side I think there's two that also stand out to me. I'm curious if you guys are on the same page here. I mean, I think the obvious worst is the Panthers. Uh, yeah, I don't know yeah. who who <laughs> yes. wants to coach. Oh, the it's Panthers. not it. And also, like, d- right. d- like you have to deal with uh, with Tepper. Like, I feel like on top of them yes. being in a bad situation, like the ownership, bad is ownership so bad. is yeah. That's what makes it the worst. Even if it's, you believe in Bryce Young, I think David Tepper, like that just makes that a, a horrible situation it, to go into. It's not even debatable. <laughs> it's factual <laughs> that the Panthers are by far, uh-huh. it's the worst coaching job in, uh, in the league. There are 32 jobs on planet Earth for, for, for to be a head coach in the NFL. And no, and I don't, People don't want to go there because they got a raging a hole as a <laughs> as a as an owner in Tepper, uh, freaking uh, tilting over Jags fans spilling drinks and 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 not even just that, but um, you know being in the way of of who should the next quarterback could you know should be should have been if it was Stroud or Bryce Young. I think he certainly played a part or the part in taking Bryce Young instead of C.J. Stroud, and uh, not a good dude to. Uh, work with it looks like, and so yeah, that's by far the worst job in the league. I guess I'm I'm curious what you guys think is second. Probably Tennessee. Tennessee, yeah, yeah. Tennessee. I think it's going to be a tough rebuild. It feels like Tennessee feels like a spot where the the next head coach after this head coach is going to be a good, you know, appealing like in a good spot. Kind of like that um, 
uh, who is it? Uh, Tony Dungy or not Tony? John Gruden <laughs> after Tony Dungy, something like that. Where I mean, I almost feel like it's kind of like Chicago. If Eberflus doesn't stick around, like things don't go great next year, or whatever with Caleb Williams or Justin Fields, like then it's gonna be like, oh, then Chicago. Like, look at this team. You're, if you're right. a great head coach, I think it's a just trying to think of an example like of the, in the past. Of uh, I know, yeah. There's there's probably some. I didn't come up with any off the top of my head yeah. here, but there, there's definitely some spots like that where it's like two, three years from now, maybe you know if they get the right quarterback in place there, like that could be a good appealing opportunity. So let's quickly talk about Jim Harbaugh. Michigan Wolverines won the national championship. I didn't love it. You know, I was annoyed <laughs> by the whole cheating stuff, but you can't deny they're the best team in the country all year. And they showed up and they shut down a pretty good Washington offense. Yeah. Michigan definitely deserved to win it this year. I don't really care about the cheating. I mean, I don't, I don't like Michigan, but the cheating stuff doesn't bother me as much, but at the same time, uh, wow, that was a dud of a game. And, and look, I, like I the, the the Georgia TCU game, I was like, this is gonna be a complete waste of time, and it was. But I really thought Washington would. I mean, it was closer than the last year's game. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> it was pretty. It, it seemed kind of obvious who was gonna win that game as the game went on, and yeah, I, I really thought Washington was gonna make it a game, and they didn't. And both both offensively and defensively, the Mich- Michigan's lines uh, dominated Washington's, and. It sucks that Penix. I'm not. It doesn't surprise me, but, but yeah, it looks like Penix came back down to earth uh, after facing a legit team, <laughs> a legit defense in in Michigan's. Uh, and yeah, that, I guess that was my biggest takeaway from that game is that like, man, all right, maybe Michael Penix isn't the right. man, <laughs> and, yeah. and he just looked. Gr- I don't know. He looked good in so many games this year. And, he did, and yeah. this was his first, like, the biggest test, and. He definitely failed, and look, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Michigan's pass rush uh, got to him a lot, but he even missed some wide-open throws, too, and so he was rattled in that game, and um, yeah, that's my biggest takeaway take is that yeah, maybe Panix isn't that appealing of a draft pick now. Well, I like Jim Harbaugh. I, you know, his tenure as 49ers head coach was the, f- the first era where I really paid close attention to Niners football and the NFL in general. And then I felt like his firing was unjust. I-, I think he has a great personality. I love his khakis. And to see him go back to his alma mater and win it all, I think is really awesome, cheating or not. And I think yeah, I-, I was happy that he won. One thing that I wasn't super happy with was the the choice of the teams that got into the playoffs. In retrospect, I'm not as uh, like seeing the result here in the finals. I don't know if I would rather have seen this Washington team take on Michigan or maybe Georgia or maybe, yes. I mean, they already played them, but like maybe Ohio State again, you know, like I, I'm, I'm wondering yeah, if the, the, like, obviously lot- it's fixed now because you have the 12 team playoffs, but like, I was right. like, this is your national championship. This I have to keep, I have to keep slapping myself in the face and dumping cold water over my head to stay awake during this. Um, yeah. Yeah. You you guys are going to hate this take, but the best championship game like I've seen in recent years is that Clemson game, the Clemson Alabama. Yeah. Game, yeah. Where Deshaun Watson completes it to Hunter Renfro with a second left like that. I I mean okay Georgia, Georgia uh, Alabama. Alabama yeah right in overtime yeah. right back to overtime back that was a good one uh, but 
They're not always like this. More exa- but it, this time it was, which is just frustrating because so much of the subjectivity came into it. And I'm like, you guys are cowards. You should have been brave enough to be like, we're not going to let Washington in, even though they're undefeated in conference champions. We're going to uh, kick Georgia because we think they're better. We just know right? that they're better, right? Um, so I, I don't know. That that to me is just more frustration about college football. It's one of the things I love about the NFL mm-hmm. is it's so uh, objective. It's like we literally just have more wins than you. Um, so we are considered better. We're in the playoffs. And then we're going to go head-to-head with everybody. And the only thing that matters is who you beat. There's no opinions. I don't have to appeal to some, uh, you know, oh, please, glorious, uh, powerful board of people who decide who the winners of college football. None of that. It's just winning the game. So um, I know that to me was a little frustrating watching the national championship because even though it was great for Michigan, I think all credit to them. I think they are the best team. I felt robbed of the the entertainment that I was promised by the committee. A a lot of people were saying that if Georgia made it – then the, a lot of people said like, "Oh, Georgia can beat both of these." Yes, teams. they might. Right. Maybe they could have. Right. No, they absolutely. They should have won have. the SEC championship game, and, right. and there wouldn't be all these arguments. No, I get it. Yeah, just beat <laughs> Alabama, and it doesn't matter. I understand, but like to me, I'm excited about the 12 team playoff because it's going to open up spots for teams that are more like better. Like, they're better than the teams that are, quote-unquote, more deserving. Right. And Washington, people were arguing that Washington should have been the number one seed above Michigan this year. And, you know, obviously it doesn't look all that great in retrospect. You know, Michigan did have their way with them. They could run all over. It didn't matter if it was Blake Corum or Donovan Edwards. And uh, Washington and Michael Penix, terrible game in this one. But I like that the 12-team playoff. Oh, Georgia, you lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game, your season is over. Instead, no, you're actually just going to be a six seed. You're going to have to play one playoff game. And then if you win that, then you're going to go play a big bowl game against a team that had the bye and we deemed better. But you still have a shot. And I think that it's going to make for more opportunities for teams that, you know, fan bases that aren't traditional powerhouses in terms of filling out the bottom half of the bracket. But you're also going to just have, like, the true best teams. You know, it's not going to come down to one game. Liberty, undefeated Liberty. uh, They're going to, yeah, they're going to make it. Right, they're going to get smoked by Oregon or whoever, just like they were in that bowl game. But they'd be in it. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, at least you say, at Liberty, like, I think everyone hates Liberty for a lot of reasons. In past years, UCF beat, Auburn just last year Tulane beat Southern Cal like it happens that you let these teams like the the New Year's Six Bowl um, entrant from like the group of five actually goes out and plays well and pulls off a an upset victory I don't know if it's as likely if you're playing a game where both teams actually care and it's also on a uh, not in a neutral site but also in another team's home stadium but I do think that the 12 team playoff is going to be great. And there's another, like this whole season, we got it a year too late, is the way that I'm looking at it. Yeah. I, There'll be some years where there's going to be one or two, three, like, you know, dominant teams, and it's not going to matter. But this is a year where 12 team would have been perfect. Yeah. You, you guys know me when it comes to college football. I'm just not as nearly as big of a college football fan as you guys, but I love college basketball. And I'm not saying college football is going to match college basketball in terms of the tournament because you can't have 60. 60- eight teams in a college mm-hmm. football yes, wait, playoff. Brian, like just that. you wait. We start with 12. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they said it was only ever going to be four, you know? I hope I, lived, I hope I lived to the day to see that, actually. That would be kind college of awesome. College football just become a single elimination, yeah. like 100 and however many team bracket, and the, you're only going to watch your team play till they lose. Yeah. We got one-seeded one Alabama versus 16-seed Appalachian State in the East bracket. <laughs> Who you got? <laughs> I could just see, uh, yeah, the 
bracketology for college football and <laughs> all these breakdowns. Yeah, no, but all seriousness, um, yeah, like part of the, part of the reason why I'm not super into it is because like all these random bowl games, and then you have the college football playoff that may hit or may miss, and the semifinal games are great. But again, another year where the final yeah, wasn't back to back years. Yeah, but a college football playoff with twelve teams, an expanded field. That interests me for sure, and I want to see what, how that looks. It, this would have been the year to do it, but oh well, mm-hmm. we got robbed of that. But you know what? Whatever. Um, next year it'll it'll be different, and that I'll look forward to. Yeah. The whole landscape of college football changes next year. All the movement, yes. all the teams, you know, changing conferences. You know, Pac-12 is gone. Everyone's in the Big Ten or the Big Twelve. SEC is expanding. Texas, Oklahoma. It's it's going to be a whole new world. Um and supposedly we're also going to NCAA football game to go along with it, which I'm, I'm excited about. There were rumors that they were going to drop a, the release date last night during the game. And it just never happens. It's like, man, last year they pushed it out a whole year for whatever reason. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, before we wrap things up here, of course, uh, one other benefit of us waiting until today to record is we have this bombshell news that Nick Saban is retiring just feels like that came out of nowhere. I know like there's been speculation in past years about him potentially leaving Alabama for another job, whether that's um, another coaching position or even speculation about him just going to the booth. But it feels like it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> so I know he's he's definitely a polarizing figure. He's someone who um, feels like inarguably the greatest of all time in terms of a head coach in college football, seven national championships, uh, definitely has the, the accolades. But uh Guess what are your guys' reactions to hearing this news? Because mine was just complete shock. Uh, I'm curious if there's more to follow. If 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 there's an NFL job waiting for him or a different, I I can't imagine if he'd leave Alabama for a different college football job. But uh, I guess that's what I'm curious is that if he's really really done or if there's more to follow with this. This news. Yeah, I'm shocked, and it'll be interesting. I actually, all I heard was like that it's happening. I didn't. Did he do like a press conference or put anything out about this? He met with his team. I guess it was like a private meeting, and then yeah, we got the alert not long before recording. I haven't been following along to see if there's any you know follow ups. I assume it would be tomorrow at this point if he was going to have a press okay. conference. Well, but... just because one thing that. I think you can't ignore is that college football is changing in a massive way right now with the portal mm-hmm. and NIL and you know, the realignment and all this other expansions of the playoffs. And I'm wondering if Nick Saban is just like, all right, well, my era of college football is coming to an end. It's yeah. time for me to leave. And you could argue it's because maybe Alabama won't be able to have their monopoly on all the best players and have, uh, you know, Nick Saban's, proven formula for winning continue to work and he's like well then i'm instead of evolving i'll just go ahead and call it quits um i've again the same convincing argument i heard about jim harbaugh to the chargers was similar to why it's like well jim harbaugh he's not going to have that same you know as college football continues to turn over and people sometimes right now i've heard a lot of people say they're ruining college football they're ruining it (laughs) and uh and maybe they just don't want to be a part of that you know maybe nick saban has that opinion he's like i'd rather go somewhere else and not maybe not even coach anymore but 
maybe not stay for this. Yeah, I don't think he's going to coach, right? I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's calling SEC games on ESPN or, you know, doing like the, the network pregame show. We've seen him on TV plenty in that spot before, even as a coach. Um, I think he's done. And I agree. That's probably what it is. Roy Williams, we saw him in basketball two years ago. He stepped away kind of out of nowhere but also like the same idea he he hated the transfer portal and nil and you know like the the way that college basketball was going and said all right it's my time to step away like it's no longer the same game that i've been coaching for years and i i wouldn't be surprised if that's how saban feels and it feels like he embraced nil like he's not like you would think that he would be like typical Dabo sweeney like oh you know we're not gonna do this our name image and likeness is god no saban is like yeah bryce young's gonna make a million dollars this year like yeah next question so i think that uh it, it surprises me for that reason. He also just signed like an eight-year extension just a couple years ago. So I thought that meant that he was sticking around for the long haul. But obviously things change. So we'll see if there's more that comes out of but it. But to, just um, to reflect briefly on his yeah. legacy, I mean, right. the GOAT of college football uh, yep. co- uh, like head coaches. There, It's not true anymore, unfortunately. But at the time that he won his most recent uh, national championship, he could say that every single player he ever recruited won a natty. <laughs> and like that went wow. on like for such a huge run. Um, and it, like what a convincing uh-huh. argument when you go home to home and say, if you join my team, I guarantee you'll win the national championship, you know? Um, and the fact <laughs> yep. that that's not true anymore and it hasn't been true for a little bit, you know, kind of makes it like uh, maybe it is time. Maybe he has lost that edge that makes it yeah. a guarantee. And, uh, but I, I, Nick Saban, similar to Bill Belichick during the Tom Brady era, to me was the type of guy that I hate during the regular season. I can't stand all the success they have, but as soon as the confetti is done falling on the national championship, you just sit back and you have to admire greatness. And I, I think that's what it is. I, I, I'm not an Alabama fan. I don't like to see them win. But Nick Saban has done things that you know shouldn't be possible in college football. So I think I think that that's you got to respect that greatness. Yeah, absolutely. And I look, I've rooted for Alabama enough over the years going up against Clemson and Georgia and the playoffs and national championships that I have no animosity toward him and their team. I mean, like it's fun when you have different teams win. Like it's always great in those years, but um yeah, he's definitely a coach who like he's just been like my whole college football fandom like he's been part of it he's been at the top so it it is very surprising that he's gone and stepping away at this point in time but he's definitely like i don't know that you can really debate that he's not the greatest ever given that what he's been able to accomplish in this era you know for this longevity i think his seven national championships are the most all time so at least if you exclude all the fake ones from, you know, 120 years ago, like <laughs> Michigan saying, hey, we beat a bunch of like YMCA school kids. Let's call it a win and a championship. So uh, I'm definitely uh, surprised by this and curious where things are going to go from here. But, uh, you know, is Lane Kiffin, is he going to come back? You know, what other like you're going to imagine this is a top job, but also how do you follow in his footsteps? That's going to be impossible. Steve Sarkeesian. Right. Steve Sarkeesian is definitely a name that's being thrown out there, Um, whether that's realistic or not. I mean, it'll be very interesting to see where Alabama goes from here. Um, And also where Nick Saban goes. Lane Kiffin would be wild. He's had like 12 different jobs. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And, uh, yeah, he's definitely connected to Bama. Um, So, but, yeah. We'll uh we'll see from there. So, uh, Benjamin Carlson, thank you for joining us. Um, 
affable chat go ahead and give us your plugs oh yeah here. well i mean at this point you know if you're new to he's done it congrats on making it this far into like a really long episode <laughs> but you know affable chat we're uh, a movie review podcast we release episodes roughly every week um on whatever movie we want sometimes we do new ones sometimes we do old ones but we also do other stuff we actually have kind of a special event coming up on uh january 18th at 8 30 p.m eastern we're going to be live streaming the listening party for uh, the new Nick Heredia album. Uh, he's act- he actually wrote our theme song. He's a, g- a big friend of the podcast, a close personal friend of mine. He's been right. This album has been in the works for like five years, and it's finally dropping. And you can hear it first on Twitch.tv/slash AffleChat at eight thirty p.m. on uh, Thursday, January eighteenth. So join us, listen to some music, hang out with us. And uh, and also just listen to our podcast wherever you uh, listen to podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited for the Nick Heredia live stream. Uh, and uh, yeah, I guess Brian and I can definitely talk for a lot about football. When you throw in a third person, it's it's impossible for us to reel these in and in appropriate times. But uh, here's your full primer for the NFL playoffs. Every week we'll be reacting to the previous week's games we'll continue to look ahead and give predictions and everything for the following week and um, if it's just the two of us which we anticipate for the rest of the playoffs it shouldn't be this long especially as there are fewer games i mean i, I don't want to come on here and be like aj hawk and just sit ah, here. Oh, right. <laughs> have a blank face well listen one last thing i gotta i gotta bring this up i you know uh, you guys you know we can't always agree on everything uh you know did you uh, i'm sure you guys noticed that on uh, on january 2nd the Thunder really took it to the Celtics. So, uh, yes, yeah, I did notice I, that. I, I the Thunder, did. uh, yeah, they, they build, they do it the right way. Like, even though they have a gazillion picks, uh, a lot of their younger guys are, they look like future stars. Well, particularly SGA. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's an MVP candidate right now. So, uh, it's, yeah. it's looking great. It's good to be a Thunder fan. And, and it, yeah, yeah, I saw the it, Thunder number one in some power rankings that came out. I don't know if it was NBA.com or ESPN, but yeah, definitely on top of the Chet world. Chet Holmgren won't win Rookie of the Year, but I still think he is just incredible. He's been way better than I expected, and uh, the future's bright. You just need to get some meat on them bones. I, I, I thought he was so overrated at <laughs> Gonzaga. And then all of a sudden I saw him in the summer league. I'm like, where the hell was this during the tournament? <laughs> right. Uh, and, and then as well as, of course, uh, actual NBA regular season games as well. Uh. Yeah. No, I think that the Thunder are a very fun team. So, you know, hopefully this era goes just slightly better than the, the last uh, big three era in OKC. But, you know, definitely plenty of promise. It's, it's not over yet with all those draft picks True. coming up still. So. Yep. So anyway, that'll do it for this one. For our guest co-hosts, Benjamin Carlson, regular co-hosts, Brian Wells, and I'm Corey Votney. Thanks, everyone.